Yeah, no, I'm just going to go and like pick a random moment out of this initial bit and be like, that's good enough for a cold open. Oh, fuck. I better say something funny. Hold on. Um... <sighs> Bazinga. <laughs> there you go. I said something funny. <laughs> I'm sorry, but we have to cancel the podcast now. Oh, no. We have to have sex on camera now. That's what you get for living next to bees. We need more wooden Gundams. You're a positive influence. I'm a positively horny influence. Positively <laughs> It's not good, and we're here to make it worse. Hello and welcome to RF78.2, Radio Gundam, a watch-along podcast for various Gundam series, suitable for newcomers and casual fans alike. Experts can only listen... If they understand that a long-running show receiving new fans as a result of an insanely hot new show is incredible, and that newcomers should be welcomed with open arms, not weird animosity. This is episode 1 out of 144. Fuck. Listen, if any new fans... If anyone on this show has been listening to it in this episode and you enjoy it and you want to be a fan, fuck you. Get away. If you haven't been listening to this show for 40 years, I don't want you in the show this is, for some reason. This is like... People are weird, aren't they? Yeah. It's, it's... Gatekeeping is... An, so, like, cards on the table. This is the first episode that will be recorded after we've actually started releasing the show. So we're finally, like, out in the world, which is all very exciting. Oh, piss. But attention, I think, has been somewhat diverted from the excitement of a new show, from just seeing people being really, really depressing about what they're calling, like, tourist fans coming in through GWIT. Tourist it's fans. A ta- it's a tale as old as time. Like, when I was a teenager, a young teenager, back in the early noughties, people were being the same about Gundam Seed, they were being the same about Gundam Double Zero. People have definitely been the same about Iron-Blooded Orphans. Like, Oh, God, it, yeah. It never, never ends. And as with all these things, be it video games, anime, whatever specific niche interest someone has, like, people need to understand that it's really important like as a way of keeping fan bases strong and having you know friends to talk to that if someone comes in interested even with no knowledge like welcome them with open arms that's why we have this novelty intro where i rag on experts every time (laughs) it's because experts are the least necessary part of a fandom it's always new blood and so like like g witch is the, the sort of revival of interest that's really made this show come together. And I think that's that's invaluable, is, is the, the, the refresh and the, the renewal that comes with a new show in a long-running franchise like this. So, like, if you're listening and you're one of those people who's kind of funny about new fans coming in, just be cool, just be Fonzie, like, fucking come on. Like, the, the trouble is, if you're trying to have a closed-off community of just the people that have been doing it for ages, you know what that is? That's not a fandom. That's M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. <laughs> That's a and do you bad know how movie. that ends? You get hit by a car. Yeah, by a car, don't you? I'll teach you. Oh. Like, if you're going to be weird about stuff like that, then, like, people like me never will enter. Because, it's... like, I wasn't interested in... I mean, I was like, yeah, okay, they're cool robots. But, like, that was the, the extent yeah. of my interest but, in But, like, Gundam. the new show was just like, hey, I'm a, I'm a good show. Turns out there's a lot of worth to this series. Wow. Yeah, and I got invested. So why would you not want that? Don't you want more of me 
hanging around your fandom. I do. <laughs> I do. Sammy is arguably like the the most vibrant and interesting of the three of us on mm, this show. Absolutely. Not to put a sick burn on Alex. It's just you no. Know, it's true. I, I just, it's not a burn. It's true. <laughs> That's not even self deprecation. I just I like Sammy a lot. She's really good. <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so that's our unusually aggressive lead in. But that's the sort of times <laughs> we live in. First of all, just a big thank you to everyone who's listening at this point. Like I'm really pleased by the response to the first episode. The second episode has just launched right as we record this uh hopefully wow. people are still listening <laughs> yeah thank you so much everyone from yeah, me also thank you yeah it's nice to have something come out and have anyone listen to it like every single one of you is completely valuable if you can rate us five stars on whatever platform you're using by god please do and uh, don't forget uh, while you're listening that you can find show notes over at beehivepods.wordpress.com which is where they'll continue to be for the foreseeable i've not been able to link that for the first three episodes <laughs> because i hadn't made it uh, you can also follow the show on twitter at radio gundam and on tumblr at radio gundam both of those are just repositories for when we post stuff but also just a good excuse to retweet and reblog cool gundam things as we see them <laughs> i should get back on tumblr it's good it's the best social media so- i mean they're trying to make Indeed. it worse because they're trying to turn it into tiktok but oh, you know god maybe i'll stay away from tumblr <laughs> I mean, I've been on there as Royal History for years now, and it's yeah, yeah it's it's a fun community if people do do it themselves rather than an algorithm. Can't go wrong with that. And you can go terribly wrong, Bob. This is indeed the two stars of Royal History, Sammy and Alex, my wonderful co-hosts. Oh, and oh, I am Maxie, who is also a co-host because that's how co-hosting works. The driving force behind the show, probably the best <laughs> one. Let's be honest, Max, you're the reason people are here, aren't you? Hey, Max no, is the reason no. why we're here. Well, yeah, but also the listeners. Take a bow, Max. I, I would do my best to take a bow, but I'm currently squatting on a stool while recording this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm mostly here to try and just keep things moving occasionally and to edit out myself when I realise that I've been trying to interrupt you guys for like two minutes straight. And I'm just like, that's rude. Just oh, let no. the people talk. It's harder because you're on the other side of the country. Indeed. The the downside not being in a room. But the things we do on this show uh, are usually threefold. We have... A, uh, an episodic question, which is usually not directly rated to Gun- uh, related to Gundam, which means you get to understand us a little bit as mm. your wonderful hosts. Woo-hoo-hoo. There is a retrospective. Not doing one this time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've hit a bit of a wall on the retrospectives because they I'm trying to keep them time appropriate and there wasn't necessarily anything for the airing episodes to talk about this time. But... In the background, this is around a period of time where Tomino's note, uh, Tomino's memo comes out, which drastically alters the path of my boss at Gundam. And I'm trying to decide if I cover that next week when would be appropriate in behind the scenes or in like several episodes time when we actually see its effect on the show. Why not both? Oh, Because then mm. I'll be doing the same segment twice. That's That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I didn't think that one through. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) Ignore me. um, Why not, listener? Um, We'll almost definitely have actually recorded the next episode by the time you get around this. But it would be very good if you could let us know at the Radio Gundam Twitter or on the Tumblr even. Uh, how you would like to receive your half-informed retrospectives about the uh, behind-the-scenes fun of Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> and then what we also do are the episode summaries. Oh, we got some doozies this time. We are covering episodes 10, 11, and 12 of Big the ones. original Mobile Suit Gundam. Big you very can watch them on Crunchyroll. Uh, or if you buy Blu-rays, that's also an option. Mm. They're, they're, they're worth getting. They're good shows, generally. 
the Gundam shows. Not to go and show a bias in the things we're covering. <laughs> Gundam's good. Uh, but we'll lead off with our weekly question, which in this case uh, was the most we've been queerbaited by an anime that isn't this one. Hoo-hoo. And I, I struggled a lot with this one because all I can think about is episode 10 of my boss suit Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good question. Like We, we racked our brains I, on this I really one. I really struggled yeah. with this one, yeah. Ooh. Uh, let, let's pick it right. Who who started first last time? Does anyone remember? <laughs> uh, Sammy started first on the on episode two that's just come out, but I don't remember actual last time that we recorded. Uh, this is episode I can't four. Even remember. Oh, it was me last time, I think, because I talked about the King Keshi. Oh, Maybe? yeah, 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 yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, so, um, Alex. It's me. What's the most you've been queerbaited by an anime that isn't Mobile Suit Gundam? Now, by talking about this, I do run the risk of uh, having people set me aflame in the street. Um, not because it's controversial that there's queerbaiting, but because it's controversial that I've even watched it to begin with. It is Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Slightly ashamed to be... Why is that controversial that you watched it? <laughs> right, I've, I've got some notes, and... Well, hmm. I actually wrote some notes down, so I'm going to read them. Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid is an urban fantasy slice-of-life manga by Kyo Shinsa. It's about a woman, Kobayashi, who has nothing in her life outside of work, meeting a big dragon and inviting her to live with her. And the dragon, Toru, does specifically deciding to become Kobayashi's live-in maid. From there, they have fun shenanigans together as Toru learns about the human world and Kobayashi learns to connect with other people. Toru and Kobayashi end up like having like a domestic life and sort of adopting a dragon kid. And yeah, it's, it's cute. Animation's really nice. All the designs are really charming and... And, and it's cute. It's nice. Yeah. Gets kind of gross after like episode six when they introduce a big titty comedy child molester. <laughs> uh, a recurring theme of this author, I may add. Yeah. They do a series called Chi Chi Chi, which is literally about like a kid moving in with a giant titted woman and he just like suckles upon her uh, nippleless breasts. Mm. Which is a weird feature of this author is they just <laughs> don't draw nipples at all ever. And so boobs just look really fucking weird. Oh, no, they do. Oh boy. No, I've seen it. Ugh. Yeah, it's uh, by Kyo Shinsa, a mangaka and f- f- fucking weirdo. <laughs> They're fucking weird. <laughs> no, it's um. So yeah, there's a big titty comedy child molester, and there's like times where it's pretty gross with the like explicitly looks nine year old uh, dragon kid as well. It's you know, but 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 at its core, it starts with an extremely one sided love from Toru to Kobayashi. And with the domestic life they set up, it seems really obvious that it's going to be about them eventually becoming a couple. And to be honest, I can I can get over the gross shit if I don't think about it too much. Like, it's, it's uncomfortable to watch. Like, especially when, you know, like, it's there's some stuff that I'll talk about. But, you know, the rest of the show's worth it. Especially with the main couple. I mean, and apparently the anime toned down the etchy stuff a lot. Like, the manga's apparently much worse. Oh, boy. Uh, so that's fun. But as it turns out, the whole thing's never going to happen. They're never going to be a couple. The point of the the thing is that Kobayashi constantly re- rebuffs her. That's the joke. Like, oh, Kobayashi won't eat Toru's ass. Ha 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 ha. Like, there's a trailer for an OVA that, like, it has the main focus of it being a shot where Kobayashi and Toru are about to kiss. But in reality, in the show, Kobayashi was like, Oh, come closer. Ah, oh, I'm going to have a rant about your maid outfit. It's not very accurate. Ha, ah, what fun. <laughs> and like you know fair enough i get that straight people exist 
I suppose, but constantly we, we hinting. We begrudgingly accept them. Yeah, I can I can allow that. <laughs> but yeah, constantly hinting at a potential relationship, but refusing to actually depict it is the literal definition of queer burden, isn't it? I mean, I used to think at the start of the show, like, oh, Kobayashi strikes me as probably asexual. She's like, no interest in it. Um, that might be an interesting angle to have with like a family dynamic, but. Also, no, because there's some stupid fucking gender oh, shit in the second yeah. series when Kobayashi gets magically given a penis. And then she's like, oh boy, now that I'm male, I suddenly like Toru. And also, oh, now that I'm a man, I can't trust myself to sleep in the same bed as my adopted eight-year-old daughter. Like, Ooh, she gets horny yeah, for the child. It's, it's... And then she gets a magic orchidectomy and is back to like, ha now I'm no longer a threat to my family. <laughs> I'm not interested in anything. I'm not interested anymore. It's just fucking... It's, I thought the point of the show was that they're going to be a couple. It's, uh, it's not a will they, won't they, but it's about them growing closer and getting together. And it's not. It's actually about having children get their fucking clothes off. I don't fucking know. Oh, dear. <sighs> I've, I've, I, to be honest, I've never felt more betrayed by an anime. Uh, it, it was definitely in like my, my top ten. <sighs> and then the second season happened, and I'm like, oh... Oh. Mm. Oh. Well, that's the thing, because, like, to an outsider, like, I did not watch the show, but I saw you two get invested in it very early on, and then silence. Yeah. And I was just like, something's happened here. <laughs> like you're in a Resident Evil game. <laughs> something's happened here. <laughs> oh, yeah, As no, the it's... zombie of pedophilic shit in anime rears its ugly head. It keeps happening. Why? Why does it keep happening? Like, I, I, I ended up we we watched the second season like i knew that there was going to be a another 9 year old character introduced who also happens to have the biggest tits in the world and that that was going to be kind of uncomfortable but like oh, i really like the characters i really like the designs i really like the da- i really like uh i think it's enma um she's like a water dragon oh, yeah, yeah. and she works at the office as well and she really likes food and uh she's cute she's great would be nice to focus on her a bit more instead of the child accidentally being in the room when someone's drank a horniness potion. Ugh. Ugh. Fuck! Oh, God. God, this is... Thinking about it, this is a bummer question. Yeah, this sucks. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I've I've stopped even talking about the queer betting part. The queer betting is just... I think because the reason that I was interested in the show to begin with was because I thought it was about a cute couple getting together. And also, urban fantasy, slice of life. Love it. Absolutely love it. We'd love to see it. But that's not what it is. Oh, no, it's something else. It's a bummer as well, because like, there's a spin-off manga that's uh, drawn by, uh, I, I think one of their many uh, pen names is Gostavi, who's like a, uh, a aerodosian artist who does a lot of um, a lot of pregnancy fetish works, actually, among other things. Huh. Uh, and they, they have a great art style. They're very good at drawing the big chests. Uh, and so naturally they got a spin-off series about the one who's with a little boy. And you're just like, yep. oh, no, this is this is not what I wanted, actually. Thank you. Mm. Oh, boy. It's, oh it's boy. such a shame because, like, like uh, you can tell that I have Ooh. been very invested in this because I, I keep nearly going on lengthy diatribes. Like, like Luko uh, c- could have been an interesting character. Like, because she's, she's a fucking... She's Kezekoatl. She's, like, an, an ancient... God, she was like worship. She's the feathered serpent, and also she's like got no modesty, and also she's like had some shenanigans in the past. They keep talking about how they must never let her get drunk and stuff. Yeah, but the most she ever does is like, oh, why won't the child fuck me? (laughs) 
That's it. That's her character. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just a massive fucking bummer. Uh, <laughs> Should I I lift us out with one that's... Please, please raise me up so I can stand on mountains. Indeed, yes. I shall lift us out of the malaise of dealing with Kobayashi's Dragon Maid (laughs) with a series that is actually really good, but the queer baiting is incredibly frustrating because it's it's an eternal drum roll with no answer. And that is... mm, My next life as a villainess, all roots lead to doom. Oh no! What? I adore this series. I absolutely love uh, My Next Life as a Villainess, or Hamafura to the fans, which is a uh, light novel series by Satoru Yamaguchi that's uh, since become a relatively good anime, an anime that I really enjoyed watching. We, we've, we've, we've started watched... it. Yep. It's, it's, it's worth the time. It's nice. It's, uh, it's about Katarina Clay is like a, a princess that is a, the isekai of a high school student slash otaku who's like died and been reborn in an, uh, a dating game that she really likes as the villainess. And she's like trying to avoid red flags because uh, in nearly every storyline uh, she dies or is exiled or has something horrible happen to her. And she achieves this mostly by being really nice and making everybody fall in love with her. That is to say, everybody oh, no. fall in love with her. Um <laughs> Which is great. I love that because a lot of the cast are women and they all inevitably fall for her in some fashion, but in a very loose, not quite talking about it enough sort of way a lot of the time. No, no, (laughs) no. Fuck. And this is the thing. Katarina's defining trait uh, and her nickname through fans is Bacarina, if you want to have an idea of what that means for (laughs) all you weebs out there, uh, is she's too stupid to realise that people like her and to, like, capitalise on that in any way. So as long as the series is running, and it is still running, uh, the light novels have not ended and it's not heading anywhere towards an ending, uh, you know you're never going to get that delightful queer relationship that you want and that you are constantly being teased with. (sighs) Because it's like, the main girl loves her. All the girls love her. All, All the boys love her too. And inevitably, one of them will probably be the one she ends up with, if any no, of them. No, no. I won't stand for it. <laughs> and it's it's so, so frustrating. There is a movie coming out this year. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get a little a little a little prize for daddy on that. That'll be nice. <laughs> but, <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Oh. So, uh, so, listeners, there's a concept in the BBC when making a, a show is you make the thing that appeals to the kids that they'll enjoy, and then you put a little extra in, just for daddy. <laughs> uh, so this was most seen in the CBBC show Cave Girl, in which it's like, yeah, this is the adventures of a smart cave girl in a, a non-progressive society at the dawn of man. But she's also dressed so very skimpily. <laughs> as a gift for daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um, but yeah so it's it's a mm. frustrating show because I really like it I like that it's almost giving us something but it's that inevitable sense of funnily enough doom knowing that ultimately no shows actually give you what you want I will never yeah. get what I want from this series yeah. and it, it kills me I'm not going to lie Keep and watching. so that counts as queerbaiting is um, my, my awareness of how how the sausage gets made <laughs> is the queerbaiting yeah no we, we, we've started watching that we watched like three or four episodes really and, enjoyed um, it it's just like wow they, three episodes in you're like oh this is definitely a queer show oh, I can't wait to watch more of this <laughs> and uh, now we know now we know <laughs> oh 
<laughs> but the thing is, it's still worth watching. It's just, it's like, it's just a bit of blue balls. It's not. <laughs> For Daddy. It's not quite as awkward as some things can be. Like some people classify uh, Yuri on Ice as queer baiting oh. because it it it's full of the queerness. It is overloading with the queerness, mm. but it never quite is explicit enough. But that's a limitation that, yeah. of being a broadcast show. Like it, for God's sake, it's trying. This it doesn't feel like it's trying to show you that stuff. It's just dangling the idea at you and going, you know, we can't give it to you, but imagine. It really annoyed me when I was I was trying to get ideas for my queer baiting show and so many people were talking about Yuri on Ice and I'm like, if you disrespect, if you disrespect yeah, Yuri my on show Ice was, was time, it, Jesus Christ. censored for broadcast, like they can't show it. They, yeah. They did everything but. They they wore wedding rings for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the most significant Spoilers. baiting with Yuri on Ice is it keeps teasing us with a fucking movie that will never come out. <laughs> One day the movie will come. <laughs> oh. Oh, Sammy, what's been... Making you bait lately? No, that's no. <laughs> What's been baiting you lately? Is that I the realize, next question? I realised like I was like, oh, I've, I've really cut down my answers today, and I'm still going to talk about two separate things. Hooray! <laughs> um, I really struggle with this question because my problem is is that um, I have a very visual brain, so sometimes I get confused with what is real and what is my headcanon or a fan work. Um, so a lot of time when I'm severely queer baited, I kind of forget because I'm just like, well, in my head they get together and kiss. Yeah, you're like, Sakura, Sakura and Eno definitely ate each other out in the middle of Naruto. <laughs> um, the one that, kept, the one that kept popping up in my head, and it's not the one I'm picking, but I, I wanted to talk about it because like, it just would not leave my brain. Uh, I haven't thought about it in years, and it's just been in my brain constantly for, like, the past <laughs> two weeks. Um, about Nana. Yeah! <laughs> it's not fair to call it queer baiting because it isn't finished. It's, like, on, like, indefinite I mean, hiatus. that was with Max's pick, though. Yeah. And I think the reason why it kept popping into my head is because now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, damn, like, I think I related to Hatchy in a lot of ways. And it's kind of made me go, like, oh, boy. Oh boy. Uh-oh. Um So I, I haven't read it, so I'm I'm not as Basically up on it. there's two girls. Um they are both called Nana. One of them gets nicknamed Hatchy so they can actually tell each other apart. Numbers. And it's about them living together and being best friends and also like occasionally kissing each other and stuff. Um <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and they haven't got together at time of recording because obviously it's on hiatus. But it seemed to be leaning in that direction. But obviously also one of them was pregnant with someone else and oh. the other one's fiance died and it's all a, oh it's a dramatic mess it sounds like a like a not like a soap like a melodrama kind it, of yeah, thing very like, melodrama. yeah it, it is like a definitive jose work yeah be nice. aimed at adult women and you can tell because it is messy Ooh. in it the best way <laughs> messy and hatchy has this thing where she like jumps from relationship to relationship because she's not happy with herself hmm. and um when I was reading, like, it kept popping into my head and I kept reading about it and a lot of people theorise that, like, Hatchy kind of, like, feels like she has to be in, like, straight relationships. Combat! Yeah, because of combat and things like that. And then there was me being like, oh, is that why I was like that as a teenager? (laughs) Oh, my God. Because, like... As a teenager, I was, like, very aware of my attraction to girls, but very, like, well, I can only be in a relationship with boys, though, so I'll date six boys in the course of three months. Um, so 
So yeah, um, but like I said, that's not the one I'm picking because at the end of the day, I feel like it's unfair because I, I can't know what the author's intent is if it's not finished. Sadly, Ayazawa, when the hiatus for Nana came up, like she was not in fit health to continue to work. Yeah, and uh, it's quite it's quite secretive, understandably, because authors need private lives. Yeah, as to what sort of state she's in now, but the it's. It's not returning. You have to treat it as given that for the health of the author, it's just not happening. Yeah. So you c- you can only work off what you've got, and it may it may feel unfair, and it's a shame. Uh, that said, read Nana and read the complete works of Ayazawa. There's stuff like Paradise Kiss that is a complete oh, work yeah, and like is to... oh, it's so good. I'd like to I've check barely out read any uh, Jose, so I'm I'm, I'm quite. Oh. Um, but anyway, so the one I'm picking is Azamanga Dayo. <laughs> <laughs> Because, um, yeah, yeah, because Kaorin is like literally in love with Sakaki and it's adorable and really nice and like gave me fuzzy feelings when I was watching it. Um, but anytime Kaorin is like asked about it, she's like, oh, it's just a teenage thing. Oh, but if she was a guy, I'd date her. Ugh. And that's like, that's, I hate that <laughs> here's a beautiful relationship you could have. Oh, but the gender's wrong, so we can't do it. And I'm like, if that's not queer baiting, I don't know why. That's is. the concept of uh, Ayakashi Triangle, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Kind of, but it gets it gets over itself around the point it moves online and out of the magazine. Turn, turns out Weekly Shonen Jump is a little more restrictive, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they just kind of go like, "Hey, maybe we should just kiss all the time." And it's like, "Yeah, kissing's cool." <laughs> uh, Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, it's. I feel like so many people when I was a teenager um, lived quite restrained lives because they read that sort of work and took it to heart and it's really frustrating. Mm. Um, <laughs> and of course it, it ran in Dengeki Dio, which instead of being like some sort of bastion of good queerness, uh, actually no, I'll be fair. So there's stuff like Bloom Into You that runs in Dengeki Dio, which like people really like, but I feel like it's the sort of magazine that tends to do about three different things. It does like nerd video game shit, it does nonsense, and it does like, here is a queer book, but a queer book designed to be read by men. Uh, oh. And it's it's real frustrating. And as a manga dio is like, I mean, it, it's a couple of those at the least. But yes. it's, it's a good series. I, I like as a manga dio. Was, was as manga dio a big deal in Japan? Cause it, or is it one of those ones that was just a big deal in the West? Like um, Escaflona. I have to assume it was like a relatively big deal because like, Yotsuba um, mm. launched real hot, so like you yeah, kind well, you yeah. kind of have to have the feeling that it had a uh, some level of good reception. But when trying to look up its reception, all I ever come back with is how it's received in the West, which is you know hot shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People love it. Do you have more notes on Azumanga? No, not really. <laughs> it just it was frustrating. Um, I think yeah. Some of the first um, some of the first Aero Dojin I ever read was Azumanga Dio. Really? Yeah, was that, yeah. That, that's her next question. Just just big old you know conflation and stuff. You know, just full of it. I don't want to talk about our first. I think the first with... the first Aero manga I ever encountered was uh, Shaman King Dojin. Uh, that would that would be the first thing I encountered. Although I'd encountered um, just hentai in general about Digimon, which is also how I found the webcomic Mac Hall. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> Sammy, um, you have to now. Sammy, you have to now. God. Bonus question. I Just say the name the of it title. and don't elaborate. It's something we, like... Is it Bondage Fairies? It's Bondage Fairies, yeah. Um, bondage Fairies, I'm telling you. It was like also like my first encounter with internet porn. Oh! At the ripe old age of 11. Oh, God. So that didn't fuck me up. Uh, bondage Fairies was the transformative work. Like so many... 
people in that sort of preteen teenage who were like first encountering like manga porn for lack of better phrasing like that that was the main thing you'd find on the internet is bondage fairies and you know the insect stuff aside that's full of some lovely lovely lesbian times as well (laughs) There's just a lot of things that I can still trace back to that. I fucking I need I need to check this out because <laughs> I've never read it and like I feel like it would be like getting a like a monster manual entry on Sammy. You know uh, what? That monster and entry in the same. <laughs> I can I could actually Sorry. show you the specific chapter that like kind of. Please changed, do. Right, that's what we're doing life. after after we record. <laughs> There's all sorts of stuff like that I think is like really foundational from certain time periods that doesn't get seen a lot anymore. Uh, Like Colleen Coover's Small Favours, which is an excellent, excellent lesbian comic where one of them is very small. Very, very small. Um, I also recommend. There was one I read that I I don't remember the name of where there was a guy who gets shrunk down and then his girlfriend gets like, he gets cooked by like a two-dick demon guy. While he's inside her. Oh, he's hiding in there. Yeah, it's it's a mess. There was a whole website. I have no idea, but that that sounds (laughs) like a lot. That sounds like a lot. There's that... mm. I could start talking about films now, like the films of Pedro Almodovar. Because like, there's that bit in Talk to Her where he's very small and he goes inside the big vagina. Shall uh, we talk about Gundam instead? Shall we go there, back to a safer a, topic? <laughs> there's a Jeff Johns Avengers comic published by Marvel uh, in which Hank Pym uh, shrinks oh, down I've seen inside those Janet Van Dyne. And he, he comes out afterwards and he like, goes full size. He's like, haha, now it's your turn. And the implications of that is amazing. Oh my god! <laughs> he looks at the viewer and he says, shrink down and climb inside my bum. Please. <laughs> please just get in my ass. <laughs> oh no. Please, please sound me with your entire body. Oh, I hadn't even considered that. Next episode's <laughs> question. Next episode's question is not in fact anything quite so erotic. <laughs> it is it, it is one inspired by the next batch of episodes we're dealing with, uh, and it is what is your favorite beach episode of any show? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, that's a really good question. For the listeners at home, a beach episode is a very specific uh, form of filler in which the crew will go to the beach and you get to see a couple of characters in bikinis. And there's often more to it than that. Sometimes, for example, one of them may go off and meet their mother who's disgusted at the murderer they've become. (laughs) But that's the next episode. Oh, That sounds strangely specific. For the listeners at home, Questions like that are why Maxie's the fucking showrunner on this. The Hell yes. Master. Oh. Oh my god. <laughs> Excellent. And for those listening at home, please feel free when listening to this to send us your own answers to those mm. questions. And we'll probably enjoy them, but because of the time buffer, we'll not read them out <laughs> on the show. <laughs> but maybe we'll do something with them on Tumblr or something. I don't know. I want I want to make this an audience interaction segment one day. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a mini episode for the Patreon. Um, oh, a special episode. <laughs> hey, one one day we might have to think about Patreon. I hate my job. <laughs> we, oh, God. oh, me too. <laughs> we all hate our jobs. A good idea, like, because we were talking about, like, our favourite mecha shows that weren't Gundam before. Like, we could do, like, some episodes covering, like, Pat Labour and stuff, you know? Ooh. Or, like, Gurren Lagan and things. Yeah, yeah. Like, or the Sonic different... OVA. There's definitely Sorry. special episodes I'm desperate to do down the line. Like, I really want to do one where we just watch the uh, 
the Space Runaway Ideon films, which is what comes after Mobile Suit Gundam. So it's like, eventually there will inevitably be a point where we do make a Patreon just to separate content from yeah, yeah. anything else. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. The aspirations for this show are mostly as basic as it's fun to talk with our friends. It is fun. It is fun. This is normally where the retrospective would be. I've not got one this week. Nothing happened. Nothing happens. We'll probably get into it later. There's a couple of things I've got that are relevant to specific episodes or specific Mobile Suits introduced. But we'll tackle those as we come, and instead we will move directly on to episode summaries. Wait, that means it's me, isn't it? It's you. I'm doing the first one. You got Garma's fate? I was surprised that, Maxi, you didn't want to take this one with how much you love Garma drama. (laughs) I... (laughs) I am, I cannot stress this enough, I am inordinately mad about this episode. <laughs> it's, not ju- it's not just the killing of Gama. it's like... It's the assassination of his character. It's the assassination <laughs> of his character. It's going, look, we've given you a few episodes of one of the greatest twinks in all of anime. Now here's some Romeo and Juliet bullshit we forgot to tell you about just so that we can straighten it all out before he dies. It's like, no, let the boy be gay. I mean, he could still be bi, but you know. They hadn't invented bisexuals back then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bi- bisexuals, of course, only really came about in 1999 when The Matrix introduced us to uh, the one-two <laughs> punch of Trinity and Neo. Uh, um, Good year for When bisexual. did The Mummy come out? Oh, oh yes. Is that, that also that 1999? That things. That might have been... Um, <laughs> Good year. Uh, anyway. 1999! Oh my god, 1999 is the most bisexual year in all of cinema. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna come. <laughs> I'm born in 1999. That'd be good. Ooh, what? Because then I could be like, I'm the moose. <laughs> I'm not even bi. I'm sorry. Right, you I'm lot. Pan, just to it's clarify. It's time to hear about Garma's fate. What do you think is going to happen in this episode? Uh, F- Garma's going to get really into uh, fate stay night and embarrass <laughs> himself with his tastes. Uh, yeah, it couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Uh, I'm going to begin now. <laughs> <laughs> I have no real opinions on the Fate series. Please understand this is a joke. Um, I am a huge fan of the Fate series, and my opinion on it, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. Um, right, episode 10, Garma's Fate. It's party time. Get your drugs out. Um, <laughs> nah, so we begin our episode in uh, a big old ballroom, and uh, like I said, it's party time, even though there's a war. Um, I really like the opening shot of this because you get a scene of like the ruined city and then it cuts ooh. to this mansion where they're mm. all smoothing it off and it's like, ooh, the contrast. Chandeliers and caviar, the war can't touch us here. That's a That's much great more comment. sophisticated take than mine. I was like, I really like the opening because you see the ruined city and there's a big orange sun and it looks nice. <laughs> it does look very nice. They did a good job on it. Oh, the sun. Uh, can't get enough of it. What they didn't do a good job on is all the fucking costumes. It's <laughs> why are the flowers like that? Right, just let me let me get back sorry, to. Sorry, sorry. I'm gonna do some great comet stuff. Okay, uh-huh. you know great comet. Max, have you seen great comet? Well, not seen, but have you listened to great comet? No. Uh, it's, it's good. It's war and peace. Anyway, so... Ah, Dostoevsky. There's a war going on (laughs) out there somewhere, and Garma isn't here. Oh, wait, no, there he is. He is is actually here, don't worry. 
So, yeah, no, Garmin's talking to a bunch of ghouls that they've invited, and they're like, ah. And they have flowers on their lapels, they and they, they're just like blobs. fucking blobs on it's their lapels. so weird. Ah, Garmin, oh, wouldn't it be cool if your dad Degwin turned up? <laughs> <laughs> they, like, laugh in unison It's at terrible. It's so badly animated. Just a couple of fucking gargoyles right out of Notre Dame. It's looking terrible. And poor Garm is oh. just like, I really don't want to be here. I'm a twink. Garm is like, sorry, I'm too twinky for you, old man. I, I feel you trying to suck my life force away and I'll never die, he says. <laughs> and then he turns and walks past a bunch of ladies and they're all like, ooh, we Garma. love the Garma. We're going we're gonna to suck we're him. We're going to come. We're going to come and suck him. They sound fucking horrible. <laughs> It's not good. <laughs> Their voices are deliberately bad. I will say with the old people, I'm not against like an ugly bastard trope in my hentai, but Garma has oh, set God. himself up for sophisticated twink twunk interaction, and I will yeah, not entertain it here. He's only got eyes for Char. He's only got eyes for Char at the bar. And Char yeah, at the bar. Char bar. Um, it's his pet name for him. Peanuts and caramel. He... <laughs> I hate that Char still has his head thing on. Well, because his stupid little well, eye mask. Char has lied to everyone in the the Xeon, he's like, oh yeah, my face got burned. I'm a burned face man, he says. And well, why that's would he why need he to a wear a metal strap around his eyes? he keeps it on his head. <laughs> he doesn't have to glue it on. Just pop out. It's not like it's been grafted to his skin. Well, I know, but why is he wearing it at a fancy party? Because he's got a burned face. It, it clashes uh, with his be, outfit. It, he looks stupid. There are already like fucked up hair. looking guys there, yeah. aren't there? Um, <laughs> right. Sorry. So Char is like, hey, these fucking dickheads would panic if they knew about the Trojan horse. Hey, who's that over there? And Gorma's like, ah, oh, that's this mayor guy. <laughs> he has a daughter, you know. And then everyone's <laughs> like, by the way, guess who's here? And we cut to the top of a, a flight of stairs <laughs> and Ice Liner appears. And th- Max, you've watched the dub. We haven't. It's is, They pronounced it in Japanese, um, Iselina? Is- Iselina? Iselina is what I think the dub went with as well. But mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie that like <laughs> that I was so seething at this point in the dub, like all I can hear is the blood pumping in my ears. As like Isolina appears and both Char and Garm are like look at her and Char just immediately is like, oh just like immediately becomes straight while looking at her and I'm just like, No, Char, you don't do that. Just... You're only allowed to like men and I guess that woman you wish was your mother. <laughs> Could it be that Char is just appreciative of the quality of Garma's beard? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. And he's playing along with it. He's we going can, along we with can it. He's like, oh, this show. We can do it. But yeah, no, she comes in, she's blonde, she's blue eyed, and Char looks at her and he goes, oh, like that. She's got a real pop art kind yeah. of look to her, like a, like a Roy Lichtenstein vibe. Mm. And like, let me tell you, the crying girl comparisons will only continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, she does cry a lot. She does, yeah. But Garma uh, immediately much takes like her. Stein, she is a ripoff of Juliet <laughs> from Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, that's yeah. But no, um, Garma uh, has her as his beard, and so everyone will think that he's straight. <laughs> and Char also uses her. She's both of their beards, yeah. and that's why Garma uh, Char goes oh, because that'll oh. make people think he's straight. Oh yeah, you can oh. only appreciate someone's aesthetic beauty if you're sexually attracted to them well yeah that's what that's what the people i work with believe in there is there something we're going to establish uh when i talk about a certain old fella later like (laughs) i only know how to talk about characters in terms of horniness (laughs) so 
Garma immediately takes uh, Beard to the balcony <laughs> and Char uh, watches them go and he's like, I guess love really can bloom on the battlefield. He's got a weird what a bitch hand. Garma is. He's no, he's not. That's later. Oh, is that later? Sorry. How dare you? But anyway, yeah. So we established that uh, Iselina's dad hates Zeon for some reason. It's almost like they're supposed not. And she says, I don't care about my dad's opinion. Garma's my Garma. I love you. And Garma goes, Iselina, does it really need to be said? He doesn't say it back. <laughs> she says, I want to be with you, even if it means betraying my father. And Garma's like, well, I can't afford to betray my father uh, and also Zeon. But soon, I'll get the white base, and then my dad will have to grant my impossible wish. And if not, I'll abandon Zeon, so it's fine. <laughs> well, didn't you just say that you wouldn't do that? <laughs> it was really... We had to, like, pause it and go back when we were watching it, because I'm like, did he just... Did he-? he just com- immediately contradicts himself, yeah. Um, there's a fun fact here. little hand. If, um, in, in the Japan-only Giran's Greed game, if Garma survives the events of this episode... Spoilers. Um, he does go on to form his own splinter faction, like oh. a like a Lutheran Zeon, and he becomes the most dangerous character in the game. So yeah, that's fun. That is fun. Mm. But Char's there watching in a window, and his yes, hand is Char's so hand fucked, is fucked up. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, also, Iselina's ear is the wrong color. The, and Sammy, forgot to Sammy, color stop guns. jumping ahead for I'm fuck's sorry. sake! <laughs> I'll kill you for this. Because before that, oh, sorry, sorry, um, I'm getting excited. So they do a smooch, right? They do a smooch, Mm -hmm. and Char is watching in a nearby window, and then his hand is fucked up. (laughs) He's trying to hold a glass, and it's like, what are you doing? How many fingers do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Like he's he's made by like an AI. But a soldier barges in. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And he's like, oh my God, was I interrupting something? Sorry, I didn't put anything about the soldier. Yeah, no, you didn't. (laughs) I'll shut up. I'll shut up. (laughs) Oh, I think I actually do have a note about this uh, this soldier coming in, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's the same soldier that teams up with Isolida in the next episode. Oh he was watching gosh. her from afar. He was watching her from afar and couldn't help but is take it, in her beauty. Is it Dorota? I think it he is Dorota. It's Dorota. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, boss Dorota. What shifts you're working, when you begin, that's when you it, get to that's it. out. Bosses are always like, oh, let's check Dorota. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, Max made sorry. the joke first, but I'd already lined it up in my head, so I had to say it as well. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, so the soldier's like, oh, was I interrupting something? Almost as if, like, Garma had planned to be walked in on, so he'd seem extra straight. He's like, yes, I love kissing girls, he says. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dorota's like, hey, the white base is about to escape Zeon territory, so, <laughs> you know. And Garma's like, ah, just as planned. All, all according to Cake... And that's when they forget to colour his gloves. He says, I'm going to bring him to the homeland. He says, tell Char that the two of us are going into battle. Isolini, I need the strongest potions, he says. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, then her gloves don't get coloured in and her ears change. His His gloves gloves fall off. And her ear is the wrong colour. And Isolina, you know, hears that she's going off to battle and she like makes a face like like, like a weird face. face. And she looks up at... Oh, oh, the moon. That's also from Great Comet, you see. It all adds up. Um, oh, oh, the snow in the moonlight. It isn't snowing, so I can't. I just thought it was a really good contrast. We had big sun, now it's big moon. Mm, you know, ooh, the what, duality what's next? of sky. Sky, big sky yeah. Big. Mo- <laughs> well, actually, what's next is big gow. Uh, because out goes the gow. It's floating over the ruined city from the Sonic the Hedgehog OVA. It's that it's the same city. <laughs> it's that one. Um, 
But meanwhile, in the white base, they've all activated the special blue lights that they have in the Morrison's <laughs> yeah. bathrooms that stop you doing heroin. Oh, I really like and how that looks, actually. Not the, not the Morrison's really bathroom cool, bit, just the, the night lighting. I really love how it looks when you've been trying to do heroin for like an hour and you've just... Oh, <laughs> just it takes, takes a while. <laughs> but Amaral wants to go in as a decoy to the beach, uh, but Bright's like, we're nowhere near the beach. And then oh, they detect the oncoming gal. I, uh, I have a sexist joke quickly from, from oh, How to oh, See yes, Stars. Oh, yes, please. I love a sexist joke. So you know me. When it shows us the white base, it shows a Mariah crashing into a car. Yes! <laughs> Women drivers. <laughs> I got so excited about the abandoned oh. car and they knock it off. <laughs> so excited. The, I love how the car is tipped over and then like falls about three feet. Yeah. I want to know how the car got up there. <laughs> Look, just things happen when you oh. Spin off oh, anime, the car, the up, car up the hill. <laughs> so, um, with the Gao formation oncoming, um, the sky suddenly turns to piss. Everyone can see. Because uh, a flare has gone up. And Bright jumps out of his caption chair to get a better look, which does imply that <laughs> you can't see out of the window from the captain's chair. Like he has to go and stand up and have a look. He's like, I the can't see from it. Yeah, he has to use the manual zoom, doesn't it? It's, I love uh, the idea of getting up and moving forward being called the manual zoom. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but Bright like, looks out. He's like, fucking hell. Some guy was like, hey, look over there. Ooh, someone's getting... Um, now, I, I stopped paying attention here, so I think he said something about someone getting domed on a football pitch. No, it's a big stadium dome. Yeah, no, they, he, they, oh, right. they go to hide in a baseball stadium. And let me tell you, an alternate universe almost opened where all the conflict got resolved by a massive baseball game. And like the baseball <laughs> manga fan in me was like, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> do it. Uh, yeah, no, so they go, he's like, we're going to hide the white base there. Come on, let's back into it. Uh, let's cease all functions. We'll watch the mo- movements like that bit in The Matrix. Uh, and also get everyone deployed, even the smelly gun tank. And he looks at me and he says, Alex, I'm doing this to punish you. <laughs> and he also says, don't forget, though, there's civilians on board. And Amaro's like, I'm a civilian, though. <laughs> That's what For I was going to say. Like, I really like that line where he's just like, bitch, I'm a civilian. <laughs> and I have to go to fucking war. These guys should fucking do something. You get in the gun tank. So Amaro gets in the gun tank. No, no he doesn't. Yeah, no, no he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Frau is there and she's like, hey, old people, stay in your fucking rooms. My name's Frau Bo and there's no Harrow on screen and I was fuming. Yeah. Frau's the only, the only time it's acceptable for Frau to be on screen now is if Harrow is Harrow, also there. It's part of Harrow watch, isn't it? Oh, I think that, is that the bit where there's like a baby that's crying and Frau's just like, oh, no, I'll, later. I'll, oh, is that later? Yeah. Sorry. So the white bear spins around, plops into the football pitch Baseball. and uh, Max already made the sports joke, so I don't have to anymore. Uh, on the base, the refugees are all crammed in one room again, and they're complaining about how claustrophobic it is. Ooh. And one of them says, if we could escape to the city, we can survive. And another one says, follow me, set me free. <laughs> Shut, uh, Sonic, Sonic joke. So Frau asked the old people to stop planning an escape. Fucking, for God's sake, guys, Why you can't do, do it. Why do wanting to go into active war zones? Just stop <laughs> going into war zones, for fuck's sake. Just Frobo just we've, goes, we've done this plot before, guys. We need to move on. We're going to do it in the next episode as well. So <laughs> you can get it out of your system. Can you wait? Can you wait till then? You should have escaped before we left. She says, no. She says, we've made it this far. If we put our hearts together and fight as one, we'll be saved. 
you know, if we all have our hearts as one thing, like a sort of vascular Christmas lights kind of setup, <laughs> you know, like where it doesn't really matter if one bulb goes as long as they aren't wired in series. Anyway, even then, it's like a pretty easy fix. I mean, you could just see where the circuit's broken. You can't, it's not like you need a multimeter or anything. She gets like a wrench out and she hits an old man with it and his heart lights up. That's like operation, isn't it? Oh my God. Yeah, so that happened, in it? Um, what was I saying? Oh, and then the children scream for a hundred years. How many new mothers were on the ship? I swear to God, there's like 20 plus. Babies, babies, as far as the eye can see. Oh, so Zeon can't find the Trojan horse. So Char is like, let's flush out the rat with a carpet bomb. It's the only way. So the oh, who, do you know who he bomb. gets to do the carpet bombing? Uh, my uncle Graham. He used Patrol to do carpets. Patrol Luggins. It's <laughs> a good name. Oh, that oh. <laughs> sure is a name. A Luggins. L- uh, Lug- so... Mm. I I was very surprised when watching this section as they start carpet bombing the city, as I was always I'd always assumed from a very young age that carpet bombing uh used like rolled up Persian rugs full of explosives and they don't it's just bombs so I learned something today. Oh, Max, is this a bit? This is a bit, right? No, Max, no. This, so, this is a bit right. Sammy, are you good? I, I, so I genuinely I, thought no. carpet bombing involved carpets as a child playing worms. Oh, it was a bit. Sorry, Sammy's yeah. staring out the window. I think it's snowing. So there's specifically a shot of the gar opening up its bombing hatches with the other smaller ships <laughs> moving underneath it. And like, that seems risky. Many don't <laughs> fly underneath it when they're. He's pissing bombs. <laughs> so a million bombs go off. Amaro, Ryu, Kai, and Hayato are all strapped to the big Gundam tables. Uh, well, the gun tank's loose because it's stupid and looks like shit. <laughs> it's but just a little pile They're all in the shaking in the impact. And then we see both Sailor, Sailor and uh, Mirai uh, just calmly waiting it out. And I reckon it was to save on frames with like, limited animation and all that. But they both look like fucking stone-cold badasses who were just totally unfazed. Like, I think Mirai's got like her hands clasped as she's watching. It's fucking <laughs> cool. Oh. Meanwhile, at the party palace... The beard is trying to get on a little plane, but her staff won't let her go to her death. I got so confused by this because I'm like, what is her aim here? She is wants she to get gonna, on the plane. She's going to fly she's into going in the plane. an active war zone. Yeah, she's like the old people. <laughs> Just like, like I, I, Alex, I love you, but I, I wouldn't fly into an active war zone if I wasn't sure I could help you in some way. Like, if you're in a civilian plane, it's not like I can blast whoever's blasting you look the the thing you need to understand about Iselina <laughs> is she is very very fucking stupid <laughs> I mean I'd go into the active war zone for you Summer well, like, but yeah. I guess just like it's okay. a bit one sided huh? no I'd go into an active war zone but like I wouldn't go without a plan I would be on that plane I would have killed my dad already <laughs> so he couldn't come out and slap me and then I would hijack the fucking Gundam I'd take the Gundam for myself <laughs> Well, okay, like, if we had, like, a limitless option, we'd already be on the go together, so it'd be fine. Um, There's one thing we learn later from Rambaral is that, like, if you really love someone, you keep them with you so that they can sort of fawn over your sexy old man body, you know? Like, <laughs> he knows like what's doctor up. again. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, the, the staff won't let her get on this plane and die. <laughs> Weird. So her dad appears. His mouth never moves. <laughs> He has a cigar. The cigar wiggles a bit, like he's a talking action figure. Uh, but yeah, she's like, I have rights. And he's like, no, you don't. And he punches her to the ground. 
she hits the dirt. She gives a particularly heartfelt Gormasama while looking up and to the right. It's proper pop art. It's beautiful. Mm. Proper pop 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 pop, 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 pop art. It's beautiful. Pop right. art. Up and to the right. Show. After the break, Gorma's back. He's like, hey, is the Trojan Horse come out? Why, why isn't it like bombs? I thought it liked bombs and it would come out to see the bombs. Oh, I forgot. Um, Have we mentioned what the name of the ruined city is that they're in? Oh. Neo-Tokyo. Uh, I'll tell you what it's called. Go on. City. Fucking hell. City. <laughs> Finally, I remembered. It is, in fact, New York City. Is it? Is it? Real, the real New York City? No, N-E-W space Y-A-R-K. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, let's hear it for New York. <laughs> uh, Concrete jungle where my twink will die. <laughs> I think I may go cry. Oh, so um, he gets told, uh, one of the operator guys is just like, yeah, Garma, it's, it's, the bombs are probably stopping it coming out. And Garma's like, and he does like a little 1950s air punch of frustration. He's having a little hissy fit. Mm. And he's like, Char, why would it come out? And Char's like, they understand war now. Unlike you, you fool. And Garma's like, well, shit, I better go down there then. If that's what you want, I'll go down there with my men and leave you to your fate, says Char. And Garma's like, Char is literally like, you're too horny for Isolina for this mission, Garma. (laughs) And like puts his hand on him. It's like, I'll help. That's I'm getting. I'm getting to it. It's it's because he he says you're unusually agitated. Don't be hasty for glory just because of a smelly girl. Calm down. And then, like Max said, he uses his Rayman abilities to shoot his hand onto Garma's shoulder because he's like half a fucking room away. It's it's horrible. Look, when you're really in love, you can just teleport to each other. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's like it, one of those things with like a background. CG cartoon where if you were like to move the camera, you see that they just <laughs> like irreparably broken his model. Like when they do uh, the JoJo posing in the three D games. Um, yeah. After Char leaves, Garma's like, "So he thinks I'm nervous because of Isolina? Fool! I am calm." And he's like furiously messing with his fringe as he says it. Uh, should we should we read into this, guys? Like, why do you think he's nervous? What, what do you think he's nervous for? I think it's because Char's. You know, Char's I think it's Char's out. fault. Char's going out into battle for him, and oh no, what if Char gets injured? What if Char gets killed in the battle? Okay. I mean, I think that the little dose of straight energy has actually enabled him to start seeing that Char doesn't have his best interests at heart, and it is like tearing him apart inside. He is falling apart and making bad decisions because he's realised he may not actually be loved by Char. It's like oh. it's real. It's real drama hours over here. Char gets into his Zaku, giving Garma both a thumbs up and a salute before he goes. Ooh, and just laying since, it on real thick. Yeah, I know, right? I think he tells him good luck as well, and he gives him a little kiss. And it, Since the Zakus are approaching, that means that the gun boys need to lead them away from the white base. It's Amaro's plan from earlier, being being a decoy. Good good job, Amaro, good job, you Amaro. did it. Good before job, Before we move on, I did find it funny, like, with the gore... Like, because it kind of just opens up and all the Zakus climb out. And the Zakus are about the same size as the Gore. So I can just kind of Oh, yeah, there's a scale issue. It's like such a weird... Like, the Gore is just full of Zakus. It's... It's it's actually a Flintstones car. And they're running on the air (laughs) like a coyote. So the background painting of the city changes to a background painting of the city, but it's on fire. It is actually pretty cool. 
Mm. Um, Charles scratching his chin and talking to himself. He says, seems that misleading soldiers on my own side doesn't sit too well with me. As if he's surprised that he's feeling it, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, like, but I, I do he's... think it comes as news to him. Like Big points into the char as a psycho column, really, isn't it? Mm. I mean, he's like, he's like, oh, it doesn't sit too well with me, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> char spots clumsy, shiny Amaro, and he gets him before he can take out one of the Zakers. Amaro really starts this fight on the back foot. And also we get a new piece of music, I believe. So it's like a Xeon theme. It's got like a theremin in it. It's got like a funky slap bass in the background. And it sounds almost identical in my head to one of the songs from Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds musical. Mm. Uh, it's uh, Horsell Common, Common and the Heat Ray, um, which came out in 1978. Um, yeah, I just thought they were Everything very similar. Connected. But I, I went back and listened to them both like side by side. And it's not that close. But it, it definitely reminded me of it when I was mm. watching. I was like, God, I've heard this before. They've pulled this from something. I don't know. I really like this battle because it was really nice to watch the Gundams and the Zaku fight in like a set. Mm. Rather than just like loose in space. Loose in space yeah. or loose in the desert or, oh, there's a cliff there. And I'm like, okay, well, but there's like buildings and cars and it just, it adds... It adds some needed weight to the fight. It is, I, it, yeah. I really like the fight because the Gundam actually looks through the eye slot in the shield for the first time. Mm. <laughs> he does it with a building in a little bit as well. Um, yeah, there's there's a scene with Azaku like poking its head into a broken window, and the Gundam that's hiding inside just blasts its fucking head off. Uh, it looks fantastic. Uh, the other Zaku lunges at it with its heat axe, and Amaro flies up and away. His planet needs him. Char, though, immediately sees through it, watching from a nearby big pyramid that he's in underneath yeah. his jacket. <laughs> his weird little triangle. Mm. And uh, he says, oh, if you're leading us away, then the Trojan horse will be over here. And he jumps to spot it like uh, I do when I'm at the supermarket. I want to see if there's any crisps on the top shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I got really confused by this because I've, I was just like, is he just reading the script? He is just reading the script the again, fuck? yeah. He's, um, How does he know this? And then you explain this <laughs> based on Amaro's movements. And I'm like, Yeah, because Amaro's leading us away. So, yeah. Um, so he says, uh, oh, that's a pretty good plan. Let me use it for my own revenge. He phones Garma and Garma's like, Char, I've been waiting. He says, the mobile suit's escaping. The Trojan horse is ahead. You you go for it. You go and get it. And Garma, trusting his best friend, says, absolutely, Char, my best friend. And he goes. You. And the thing is, Char doesn't actually do much of a plan himself here. He, he, like he says, I'm using your plan. But like, all he really does is just allow the enemy plan to work. I mean, like none of the other Zaku pilots see through it. Garma certainly doesn't. Like Char could go above and beyond and see through this plan but he just chooses not to. And that's what the papers call quiet quitting. Ah. <laughs> I thought it was funny that his plan relied on like um, the idea that, oh, well, if the white base gets to sneak up on Garma, he'll die. Mm. Like he's that Doctor Who alien with the Fuck. fucking thing on the back of his neck. <laughs> like a Santaran. Yeah, like his one weakness. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Garma's one weakness is his ready and waiting <laughs> asshole. Uh, so the white base gets every fucking gun in the world out, even the ones on the gun tank and the gun cannons. Garma on the gow, Gaw, uh, he says, I'll do anything for the glory of Zeon and for my father and my love, Iselina. And Bright says, 
then perish. <laughs> the cannons fire for a solid 90 minutes. Oh, Char, they fucking melt it. They fucking melt it. It's like, it's kind of, it almost veers on parody like it's embarrassing for gama really like like, (laughs) sorry like do you not have any did you just not put any shields the back it's that's where if they fire it into the tubes on the back you know there's not much you can do (laughs) so char is fucking grinning away leaning his zaku casually against a ruined building and he's like (laughs) gama if you can still hear me blame this on the misfortune of your birth and gama screams at the radio he's like misfortune he says yes misfortune you were a good friend to me, but your father's the one to blame. <laughs> and then he does like an evil fucking laugh. And Garma, like, th- the face they draw on Garma here, he looks totally shocked and, like, utterly devastated. It's yeah. actually a really good e- expression that they get on him. It really captures it. And he says, Char, you set me up, Char. Or he says, Char, you betrayed me, Char. Depending he on. Says, or he says, you Char, you double crossed me, Char. Or, or he sometimes he says, says, Char! And so what he, what he actually says, he goes, Char! Hadara! Char! <laughs> Which uh, is, yeah, basically, Char, you've betrayed me. Char. <laughs> so, um, mm. they're, they're all very good translations, but my love of Tommy Wiseau in the room means that you <laughs> betrayed me does win. Char, you betrayed me! And then he, yeah, and then he fed, fed up with, up this, with world, this world. And he <laughs> tries to kamikaze <laughs> attack with the gore. Yeah, he throws off his little headphones and um, he mans the controls himself and he sings, Is this how I die? <laughs> Ridiculed and laughed at. Wearing gao <laughs> shoes. So that's from Great Comet. See, I did it three <laughs> I think times. It's important to mention that, like, I found Char in this bit. Like, what a cocky little bitch. <laughs> Why do they not have black. Uh, black boxes or oh, like a flight recording yeah like if anyone survives that was on that ship which is unlikely yes i know there are a lot of guns. Literally, all it takes is one person to survive and be like yeah char said some really weird things <laughs> uh, it kind of seemed like he planned the whole thing oh. um, and did a betrayal i know he gets demoted because of this but like surely it probably would have been worse for it him it probably would have been worse if they were like <laughs> char you you did kill gama mm. you got gama killed Let's assume that Minovsky particles did their part in meaning that no recording of this was made. (laughs) Fuck. Just like old times. Um, Nah, uh, Gorma actually says, I'm a man of the Zabby family. My death will not be in vain. Oh, it was completely in vain. And then his his death, yeah. Yeah. Because he tries to ram white. He tries to ram them. He explodes. He has like a few seconds picturing Isolina's face at the end. And I know in the movie, they animate a new thing of her running towards him. But in this, they just get some of the thing of them chatting before. And there's no sound. And she's just like... She's like a little fish. She's my... Yeah. Um, and he's just like, hmm, was I, was I going to marry a fish? And then he explodes. <laughs> and that's his last thought. I will I say, that in... he may be oh, a part of a mad fucking Nazi family, but I love this suicidal flaming twink. I will miss him. <laughs> Ugh. I really like that after the big explosion, like everyone in the white base has like gone on the floor, mm. and like just a few little the pebbles hit the window. Outcast, just to show how utterly in vain. Oh yeah, no, that's yeah. Uh... Like didn't even fucking touch white base. <laughs> uh, Selena's father immediately gets a phone call. <laughs> Maybe Bright phones him from his special uh, <laughs> captain's chair, 
And he, uh, Isolina's just coming in the room at the time, and he's like, oh, by the way, Gorma died. Cigar time, baby. Isolina runs outside and fucking sobs her eyes out, leaning on a tree. And she looks up and to the left this time. <laughs> Pop on. I love that he huh? didn't even sugarcoat it. He's just like, well, apparently Gorma has died in battle. There you go. Sorry. He doesn't even say sorry. <laughs> just some general news for today. Uh, but no, um, Isolina's voice actress uh, in in the in the, the subtitle version, at least, she does a very good job. I've got to say, like, mm. considering the only line she's given is "Garma Sama, Garma Sama," and then in capitals "Garma Sama." I can choose my own fate. My fate is Garma Sama. Mm. Oh no, he died. But I think, I mean, she comes back later, doesn't she? Boy, the voice I actress. Hope- I mean. Oh, the voice. Oh, maybe. I was going to say, Isolina's got a very limited shelf life, and I hope she doesn't do anything ridiculous and weird next episode that feels completely <laughs> out of character with this fucking oh, show. Oh, boy. <sighs> Meanwhile, at Zeon HQ... It's ugly! It's ugly! It's so fucking ugly. Um, Degwin Zabi, who I assume <laughs> is where uh, Garma got his Sontaran genes from, because he certainly <laughs> looks like one. Well, he looks like a mix between a Sontar and an Oogie Boogie from the fucking <laughs> Christmas film. But uh, he's so shocked to hear about his twink son's death that he drops his stick down some stairs. And then the narrator's back and he's like, Degwin was so shocked by the death of the boy that he couldn't help dropping his stick down some stairs. Which I know. I was there. Saw I, that. I saw it. Like, if you're going to fucking turn up and narrate, you can at least tell me what things smell like. Like, what, what does the women smell like, please? Tell me that. How many times has he smelled a woman before? That wouldn't be applicable in this scenario, I think. Look, the only woman oh. that we want to know about smelling is Matilda. We learnt that last time. Degwin Zabi tried to smell Matilda, but she was too far away, so he dropped his stick. Garma died. The end. That's why he looks like that. He sniffed too hard and his body broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh, it's all like start towards his nose kind oh, of thing. Oh boy, like. oh boy, oh boy. Is that why his head's so pointy? He's just very old, I think. He's just a lumpy <laughs> old man. You know, it happens. This is what Nazis does to people when you become old. <laughs> not even once. <laughs> Which, yeah, not even once. Not uh, even but that was the episode. And uh, Garma was always going to die. Um, I wish... I mean, it could have been... I, I feel that the introduction of a love for him that he was willing to abandon the Nazi faction for is an attempt at humanizing it and making it tragic, even though a villain has been uh, effectively defeated. It's, uh, oh, this is still horror, horror war, war horrors. But at the same time, I, I wish it would have been literally anything else. Like, I, I do feel like it's the cheapest thing you can do for the the tragedy of war is like, oh, these people have loves at home. Mm. Oh, I mean, I think the only thing that would be worse is like if he had a wife and kid, I guess. Because like, yeah, that does make it more tragic, but it is like a a very cliched shorthand at this point. Maybe it wasn't back in 1979. I think the, the writers of these episodes severely underestimated how good of a story beat uh, a guy naively being led along by his peer and ultimately betrayed by the man he trusted. Like, mm. I think they totally did not realise how strong that was on its own and gave us some fluff that now leads to what I consider one of the worst episodes of the Ooh, series. Yeah. This episode, great. Episode 11, mm. <laughs> I got. I still enjoyed it, but that might just be because the, uh, the trident was in it. <laughs> 
I, I have I have fun with it no matter what. I, there's never an episode of Gundam that I don't have fun with. But sometimes a little part of you just goes like, oh, I wouldn't have made this. Mm. What mm. are you on about? Episode 11, Love's Remains, is one of the best episodes so far. <laughs> and we'll get to I... that after the break. Uh, so for episode eleven, before we get to Sammy's introduction, I have a quote from Tamino. Uh, I, I think this is—I think this is a good one. This is where, what research gets me when I don't have retrospectives. <laughs> the story of Gama's death in battle originally began from the point where his lover Isolina appears, and I was nauseated by what I thought was really cliched scripting work. I wondered if we could make this more like a war story, and I thought it was absurd to follow it with an episode where the mere civilian Isolina is caught up in the fighting. As a result, I really struggled with the handling of Isolina after love. Let's find out how good it is! Oh boy. Oh fuck! From oh the big man himself? Oh my god. Oh! What are you on about? This is the best episode. <laughs> so, episode 11. <laughs> We get a different opening, which is exciting. Oh, yeah. Via episode 11. I like round numbers. This frustrates me. <laughs> it is the year 0079 of the Universal Century. The Space City Side Free proclaimed itself the Principality of Xeon. It launched a war of independence against the Earth Federation. During this war, the Principality of Xeon and the Earth Federation caused the deaths of half the total population. Mankind was horrified by its own actions, which is basically the same. It's, but yeah, it's slightly different. They so. did it a bit different. And then we get a bit about the O'Neill cylinders because the on is in one. Ooh, and that's where the episode starts. <laughs> Beyond the moon, deep in outer space, at the furthest distance from Earth, float dozens of space cities. Side free is ruled by the Zabi family. And they seek to impose their rule on all of Earth, which sounds very unbiased. Mm. Like, that sounds a bit... Maybe we're getting to the territory where they realise that maybe maybe Zeon were We've a been little, making them too sympathetic. Are they making them a bit too, uh, uh, you know... Oh, they're both bad! Mm, are you sure about that? Okay, whatever. Um, uh, within these giant cylindrical structures floating in space, there is a world in which men live. Ooh. These cylinders are approximately 6 kilometres in diameter and over 30 kilometres in length. An artificial living environment has been created within where men are able to live as they on Earth. Ooh! Space cities use wait, centrifugal force. Wait, did they really put all this in? Yeah. They did this in the... Wait, no, I did it in our you first... You did it I in the first one. <laughs> so we could have just skipped all that. Why are they telling us this? Uh, space cities use centrifugal force to generate gravity, and as a result, men live along the inner wall of the cylindrical capsule. Is this padding? I hate the word cylindrical now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Admiral Dozel Zabi has returned, who comments that no new fortifications have been built. Ooh. <laughs> Giran, who's the oldest... Yeah, is it Zabi? Giran? I think it's Giran. It's Giran, yeah. Giran. Uh, just, just call him Big Nazi fucker if you want to, because mm. this, this is like I thought Dozel was like building to be the big bow guy because he looks like a giant lug, but no, Giran is just like fucking. Yeah, he's he's an evil motherfucker. You can tell it as soon as he's on screen. <laughs> he's got the eyes. <laughs> he doesn't have eyebrows. <laughs> he does. <laughs> um, Giran is like we can't let let Gama's Jeff be in vain. Which is funny because it wasn't vain. Yeah, we <laughs> saw that. Yeah. Um, it does take a while. It took me a while to figure out who was talking because of the distant models. Because like it's Giran and the Emperor 
prince or whatever. Degwin. The guy that drops his stick before. So it's like, who's saying... And obviously, these are voices that we haven't heard before. Mm. So I'm just like, who the fuck is saying that? Is it the, is it the big guy? No, it's the little guy. The little the guy little is guy, saying that. <laughs> and Degwin's tired. He's like, can't we just honor Gama as a family? God, I just want you kids to get along. Uh, I'm the reasonable Nazi leader. <laughs> Dozel and... Is it Kisilla? Kaisilia? Kaisilia. Kaisilia, yes. The girl one comes in and they express their upsetness about Gamma being dead. Uh, Dozel's like, I keep thinking he's going to walk in. Is that what he sounds like? <laughs> I don't know what to And Gerard... Like, his little brother's dead, and his dead ass is just like, you won't win any battles by dwelling on the past. And I'm like, okay. I mean, that isn't true either, because you learn military strategy by looking at the past, so whatever. Well, Oof. you know, there's a big old thing uh, pinned up outside of a uh, a certain site where millions of people were killed by the Nazis. It says something about remembering the past, so it's important <laughs> that Giran does the opposite of that so that we really understand who he is. <laughs> Yeah. Forget everything. I'm a Nazi. Forget the I, past. Nazis is based, is what his philosophy is. I had a few oh, please seconds don't take that there. out of context. <laughs> I had a few seconds there of trying to think, like, where I was like, what, like, pinned up inside seven? I was like, nah, the real world. The real world. Yeah, in the real world. Unfortunately. Oh. Um, yeah. Fuck. Anyway, Dozel is upset. He's like, I was looking forward to him becoming a general and giving me orders. <laughs> It's like oh, Dozel went from like guy who is kind of just a, a big bullshit <laughs> asshole that was like annoyed by Char needing resupplies to suddenly being like a good big brother in fucking mm. seconds. Just I like, I wanted to get bossed around by my little baby brother. <laughs> I just made me laugh so much. I'm like, what a weird life goal. <laughs> I want this twink to bully me. Oh no! <laughs> oh, related, Sammy. I, does that matter in anime? Oh, Christ. Uh, well, uh, what's, what's the thing Alex said once? Incest is relative, and as long as they're not related to me, I can beat off. I don't know. Is what? that what you said? <laughs> Wait, hold on. This is character assassination. <laughs> I mean, I did say that, but... <laughs> oh, you're the new Gama. No! <laughs> um... My death won't be in vain. <laughs> <laughs> so then... Max! You betrayed me, Max! <laughs> Oh my god. Degwin is like, yeah, yeah, that's why we must pray for the peaceful repose of Gama's soul in a quiet and respectful <laughs> manner. And then the distant models strike again after Giran like looks at him like, bitch, please, we're going to do a giant fucking thing and you can't stop me. <laughs> we are going to make a large poster of Gama's face and it will be very oh. distracting and you oh. will like oh. it. Most Gundam. Oh. Um, so then we cut to the most 80s looking office ever. There's a guard oh, outside god. and. <laughs> Um, it looks like shit. It's, it's, there's, there's like, like abstract art on the wall, <laughs> but like one of them looks like. I, at first, I thought it was like a dartboard, but then I realised it was the fucking thing at the end of a Looney Tune short that Porky Pig comes out of. It looks like <laughs> shit in here. They look like prolapses, and no, she's <laughs> just staring at them. She's just sat on this chair, this on its own in the middle of the room, just staring at these like weird prolapses. Um, <laughs> Then a man comes in, and I've spent the entire time being like, this army man who has no name, and it turns out he, he was does have a name. Last episode. It's Dorota. I don't remember it. Uh, Dorota. Um, so he His big brother is called Darude. <laughs> he comes in and apologises for keeping her waiting, and... Uh, <laughs> 
And as she turns around like a little janky mechanical puppet, because, you know, the animation is very bad in this one, he literally does a little gasp because she's so beautiful. Oh, I'd forgotten how beautiful you are. Oh, it's horrible. Um, then they're on the weirdest conveyor belt I've ever seen with some guys saluting them and there's like glass walls everywhere. And I'm like, what is this fucking place? <laughs> Who designed this? Um, and then they have like a really awkward conversation because the army guy, oh, Dorota. Dorota. This is when he tells her his name. I was watching you from a distance at that party. And then he kind of realizes what he said. Because she, like, she looks at him. She's like, Ugh. she's like, she doesn't say anything. She hasn't said anything at this point. Mm. She hasn't spoken a single word. She's she thinking just looks loud. at him. I can hear it. And he's like, uh, that is, I mean, uh, all officers present were praising your beauty and, and grace. Uh, and I'm like, this isn't a conversation. This is like this weirdo hitting on a grieving widow. <laughs> this is why you didn't hear his name, isn't it? You filtered him out. <laughs> and she literally just gives, like, she just glares at him and says nothing. Then they get to Gama's office <laughs> because, like, why would you take a civilian into? <laughs> Bearing in mind, her dad as well doesn't like Zeon, and he's only there to like look after his citizens. And how stuff. did she get there? I don't know. <laughs> I think she just teleported. <laughs> um, but yeah, just let anyone into like fucking you know one of the oh. Zabi families' <laughs> offices. Um. Anyway, um. Oh, there's no way such a pretty girl could be a spy. That would be insane. Um, and she isn't, but wouldn't that be more interesting? That would have been interesting, yeah. Um, so Garma's room is really fucked up. It's like, it's got red walls and orange carpets, like an Elish Norn lamp. And then there's <laughs> a giant portrait of his head. It's got... And it's like way twinkier than he is in got, real life. It's got the big picture of Garma. <clears throat> it, it looks like what a kid in an anime imagines when they have a crush on a teen. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's got, like, the fucking bishy sparkles and the weird sketchy lines and, and like, the, the weird proportions and the blush, yeah. The blush. It's, oh. I want it on my wall. <laughs> it's it's huge it's as well. So like It's, it's really like a fucking big. cinema screen. Like, she goes up to it, like, silently. She still hasn't said anything <laughs> yet. And and Dorota's like, oh, this, this must be a time of great sorrow for you. Like, he just remembered that Gama died. Uh, but we, we won't let them go unpunished. We'll definitely... Uh... And then she, like, she literally hasn't said anything all episode. And then she, like, turns and interrupts him. <laughs> Her eyes narrow. Lieutenant Dorota, please let me aboard the gore. And, okay, so two things, two notes there. Okay. One, you forgot to mention that the picture is directly behind her at that point, so there's these huge, <laughs> weird, bishy Garma eyes behind her. And the second thing is, she doesn't say it like Emperor Palpatine. I don't know why you did that for her voice. Because <laughs> I'm a special Let baby. Let me on the Garma. That, that is her voice. Yeah. What are you on about? What? Okay, you guys have watched a different version to me. <laughs> the vile enemy who killed my Garma. The least I can do is exact revenge upon them. I'm, I'm telling like, you, Alex, yeah. you've got to watch um, the dub. <laughs> <Blah>. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, go for it, girl. I'm sure this won't be disappointing at all. <laughs> He's like, oh, but you can't. And she's like, Dorota. And then that's it. That's all the convincing it takes. Oh, yeah, he has a disease where if somebody... Uh, or if someone says his name. Says his name three times. That's Austin Powers, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. If you ask so, me to assist you in war crimes three times, then I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> So we cut to uh, White Base and the civilians are being annoying because, you know, that's just their role in that's this. That's what they do. To just be annoying. 
Uh, they're getting ready to leave for some reason, even though active war zones and all that. Then they hit some turbulence. Um, <laughs> and then we have a really weird shot because it cuts to Rio and Amaro and they're fixing the Gundam because something's gone wrong with the Gundam. It's a long shot, isn't it? It's like, like a, a, it's not quite a distance, distance shot, but Rio, I mean, Rio looks like a different man no matter what episode <laughs> like, it is. Every frame is every a different frame, Rio. Every frame a painting <laughs> of a different man. Um, but Amaro looks like an actual, like, grown, fully grown buff man. He looks about 35. <laughs> He's, he looks taller than Rio. And... It's absolutely wild. As soon as like they zoom in, then it's fine. It's fixed. But like for that split <laughs> second, I was like, who the fuck is that? Like, Ryu's gigantism disease is spreading. <laughs> oh. I like the common sense you actually have here with the maintenance as well, as an aside. Like, it's like, oh, I, I need to go and do some corrections to the, the beam saber stuff. It's like, yeah, of course, have the Gundam hold it out for me at a convenient position. Mm. It's like, it makes yeah. sense. I don't know how he gets the arm to move when he's not in it. I imagine okay. he moves it and then gets out, Alex. Well, no, because it moves no, back it while moves he stood back there. While he stood Wait, does back. it? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he's like, oh, I'm making it into a trident. Isn't it exciting? I'm excited. I, I was looking down to make a note about how the beam savers combine to make a javelin, and I'm not sure if that's what they actually said or if I just got confused. <laughs> um, I don't know. They definitely mentioned the javelin, yeah. and they were excited about it. And then and I got like, excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> Um, it is exciting. It's 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 um, Musou attack, Musou attack in uh, in Dinosaurs. <laughs> so I, I didn't make any comments about that because Ryu makes an offhand comment about Amuro being suited for being an engineer, which made me, like it made me do like a double take because I'm just like, have you forgotten who his dad is? Well, I mean, Amuro has. Everyone else keeps forgetting about his dad. And <laughs> the how guy who literally made Gondor. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Amro might be good at <laughs> doing Gundam things because his dad made it. Well, that's not the reason that Amro's good at Gundam things is because he read the manual. I, I, I just think that, like, it was just such a weird comment to make. Just like, oh, you'd be quite suited to be an engineer. Like, yeah, his dad's one. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Um, the alarm goes off. There's three Gores approaching. I thought Gore, the Gore was gone as, like, special shit. But apparently, no, there's like, it's the diamond, doesn't it? Yeah, they've like, got four. Anyway, Bright asks Ryu and Amaro to launch, and Ryu on the little TV is looking like a totally different character again. <laughs> I cannot get over how he looks this entire episode. Mirai is like, the engines are performing badly. How about an emergency landing? Because that's the solution to that, I guess. Mm. Uh, and Bright's just like, no, we're so close. The rescuers could be nearby. Ooh. Oh, how are you going to see some mice in a ship that big? because <laughs> oh, oh, oh. well, they'll be on a big albatross won't they yeah. oh of course of course, course you can see an albatross across space um, <laughs> so I don't know why I said that Amaro <laughs> offers to deal with the gods while white base continues even though he'll get caught in the turbulence to which he says that'll help me avoid taking a direct hit and then he winks and runs away <laughs> and I'm like are you flirting with Bright I'm confused um, that isn't the, the ship I had in mind. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... <laughs> um, so Amaro gets in the Gundam and Ryu gets in the gun cannon. The gunt cannon. The gun cannon. The tank is the one that doesn't have legs. Takes photos. <laughs> uh, and they literally jump out onto the gauze. Jesus like, Christ. Like the, the physics body. involved here. Like, this episode <laughs> should not exist. 
No. It is a bit of a it's, mess, isn't it? I mean, it gets worse. It gets Maybe that's worse. why they had all that information about uh, the O'Neill cylinders at the start. Because it's like, no, we, we do know about science, I promise. Please. Promise. Please don't think we're idiots. <laughs> um, so Isolina is in a go with the Lieutenant Dorota. Yep. And the Lieutenant orders the other gores to fire on uh, the Gundams, even though they're on top of a gore, which means they're basically shooting at their ally. Get them. You know, whatever. And it turns out Iselina's big revenge plan seems to be fly at them with free ships, even though every force that have been sent so far, even much bigger ones, have been fucking decimated. <laughs> Girl boss, woo! And the lieutenant's like, we will avenge Garbin's death, no matter what! Like, oh, mate, oh, dear. Oh, he hasn't read the script. He's not got he a chart. Yeah, it's, it's... Um, I feel bad because, like... When he was introduced, I think there's a bit where like he, he f- I, I can't remember when it is in the in the episode, but like he he falls down and his legs stick in the air like a, like a comedy anime guy, mm. and I'm like he's been drawn as a comedy anime boy, and I'm mm. like, but you've only been introduced to die here. Yep, he's gonna die. Mm. Um, so Amor and Ryu land on the go and they play seesaw for a bit, and it looks as bad as it sounds, <laughs> um, because people inside the go are like, ah, oh, is this when it oh his legs stick? Mm. Uh, oh this is some God. mad power creep as well. You think the gore, one of them was a cons- like a considerable threat to them for multiple episodes, and now they're just like, we can stand on this fucker. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that's it's... what bugs me, because I thought it was like, it, it's gone because Garm is like a member of the fucking Zabby family, the guys that are in charge of Zeon, and like, this must be his special ship. And then it's like, no, this is just a dime a dozen ship. Char gets a special Zaku, even though everyone hates him and he, get, he keeps getting demoted, but Garma doesn't get anything. Well, he doesn't even get a special bow. Come on. It's uh, it's tweakiness cons- deserves more. It's conservation of ninjutsu, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> a, a, a team of a hundred ninjas, that's easy. You can knock them all out easy if there's a hundred. But if there's just one ninja, you know that's a threat. <laughs> so the more gauze there are, the weaker they get. Yeah. Right, so they're, they're playing seesaw on the, the gore. Um, Amaro gets blasted by some of the little guns they have and he's like it's more powerful because we're so close to it <laughs> which i don't actually think <laughs> makes any scientific it's work, is it? but um um to avoid getting hit the gun hand does like a little funny break dance which oh, it, made me laugh a it's lot because it dodges underneath one of the things and then Whenever the gun cannon fires, like well, at least when it does it here, it grabs hold of the cannons <laughs> on its shoulder yeah. and then they fire like it's milking the missiles out. It's horrible. Oh, no, you do get one that's slightly different, though. Uh, for stability, one of gun cannon's shots taken, he actually grabs hold of the Gundam's shoulders the Gundam with one hand so like, he's not going to get blown yeah. back. Yeah, it's, it looks really weird. It's Friendship. like that bit. Oh, what show is it where he's like, it might be in that terrible high school dead one where he's like, I gotta use you to stabilize my Would sniper he shoot rifle. the bullet between her flopping tits? I think so. And it's like that would That's oh, high school and that's like high school of the Lord dead. Of the Rings when he's like, I'm gonna use you to shoot the thing. And it's like that would be oh, terrible. God. Are they shooting an arrow between Gimli's flopping tits? <laughs> or in, in Mad Max Fury Road where Furiosa like balances her gun because she's not wearing her arm at the time yeah! on her, on Max's shoulder. Yes, I think oh, that's what. Yeah, that's better. And there's no flopping tits in that yeah, one, goes, so that's much better. It goes right in between. Um, I've already forgotten the name of the mediocre man. Immortan Joe. Yeah, you know, it goes in between Immortan Joe's tits. Oh, <laughs> perfection! It's like um, one of my favourite films, and I forgot Immortan Joe's fucking name. <laughs> Jesus. 
I mean, to be fair, he's not the best thing about the film. No. He's he might be one of the worst things about he, the film. He is categorically the worst thing in that film. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so they start destroying the gun turrets because they can. Uh, Amaro grabs the Roger, which I didn't yes. assume most ships had still, but okay. For flying. Yeah, but he bends it, which makes the steering wheel turn, which knocks a soldier out, which just, I didn't assume. But the fucking, the comedy shit immediately before the tragic shit. Yeah. Did Joss Whedon write this? Oh my God. Oh no, don't ruin it. Don't ruin uh, the worst um, episode of this show by... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he's ripped off the, the rudder and he throws it at another gore. Uh, the plane then shoots itself trying to hit the mobile suit, which is just like, this is going so well for them, you know? Like, it's always like sending two... Sorry, not two. Sending three huge three. ships with poor manoeuvrability and poor weapon system is a bad idea. Maybe they should have brought some fucking Zakus. Maybe they should have brought some... Literally anyone else. Maybe some fighter planes? Smaller ships that could fly around and get... Anyway. Anyway. um, In my notes, I've put in capitals. Uh, My God, how am I better at this than these losers? (laughs) So Amaro and Ryu jump to another gore. They repeat the process again. While the the other gore hits the ground and there's a giant doomsday explosion. And I cannot impress how huge this fucking explosion is. It is a massive explosion. Everyone watches in horror. And... And only now does Iselina ask if they have any other fighter planes. <laughs> so they're already mid-combat. And, like, fucking Lieutenant is like, unfortunately, after the last few battles, the, the number of combat-ready planes is, uh... And he never finishes his sentence. And I'm like, what is it? Is it zero? Clearly, I mean, it's one and it's got Char in it. Um... <laughs> but, yeah, this, this is when Char turns Fuck. up. He turns up because he has to stick his naughty little nose in. <laughs> Um, he tells Dorota to aim for the cockpit, the belly, the heart of the Gundam. And like the lieutenant's like, I don't know where that is. And I'm like, why are they trying to fight mobile suits if they don't even know like where their weak point is? Oh, look, like the odds are so stacked against them. It's frustrating. It's very persuasive. Anyone who sees her immediately goes, oh, like that. <laughs> and then in that moment, she can strike. Oh, anyway. Char- yeah, like that. Char is like, I'll attack White Base. We're definitely going to finish them off for good. <laughs> and it's like, okay. I mean, okay. Um, <laughs> the screen then immediately turns red and zooms in. Like it's Char's nasty little corner. It's time for some nasty little Char forts. Taking responsibility for Garma's death. Showing loyalty to Vice Admiral Dozer. Either way, I can't lose. It's like, you nasty bitch. Anyway, anyway, back at the white base, they get a message from Federation forces. Another fax. It's a little fax, and it's so funny because Bright literally, like sailors, sailor, sailor, sailor. What the fuck's her name? Sailor. Sailor. Oh sailor. My, sorry. You know when you say someone's name and you're like, I, I got that wrong. Sailor? Artisia. 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 Too strong to be Artisia. Communications. That is too potent. <laughs> so she's like in charge of getting communications and stuff and she's like oh the federation have faxed us and bright storms over and rips it out of her hands <laughs> and she's like the little pout she does is so cute <laughs> um but apparently the liaison conference at general headquarters is still in deadlock whatever that means which means well no apparently it means that there's no reinforcements and even matilda was in trouble for helping them before oh no the federation guys are dicks too oh no ah! 
are. <laughs> but they're not Nazis, so <laughs> swings and roundabouts. Uh, Brett has a little whine. He's like, don't they care about what happens to us? Which obviously they've proven several times that they don't. Mm. But the Federation do give them some coordinates to get to so they can drop off more refugees, which I'm like, okay, didn't they do that last time? I thought they took most of the refugees last time. Matilda took one guy. <laughs> they took one guy. Anyway, then Char appears. Uh, Hayato, who is still in the show and exists, and they have to remind you that he exists every so often. <laughs> Just like, remember this guy? And I'm like, no, not really. Um, Hayato is manning the cannons, mostly... T- <laughs> oh, no, I... I already said it, and it's in my notes, sorry. But? Um, Harito is manning the cannons, mostly to remind us that he does oh, exist. Oh, I see. Um, but also, uh, he leaves the safety on to remind us that he's very incompetent. <sighs> uh, and then he gets blasted by the recoil, because I guess they, they didn't think that we hated It's not a very well-made cannon, is it? <laughs> uh, Char and Josh is because Char, he's just better than everyone. He, but he can't win anything, but he's better than everyone. He survives. He survives. Um, and Mariah dodges his, like, beams at the last second. She gives, like, this fucking evil little smile before dropping, like, a giant bomb. Harrow watch. When what Char deploys that? his little missile, right? It's not little, it's massive. No, right, but, like, when he opens the flap and the missile comes out, it has a green front with, like, a line across it. Oh. And I thought it was a harrow <laughs> that he was going to drop on the base. I lost my mind. I was I was really annoyed by this bit because it's a massive bomb and it's like why does this one little fighter plane have more firepower than three gores? Because well, it had a harrow in it. <laughs> just like R.I.P. and Peach. Um, I mean, Peach. Fuck. Okay, so the bomb hits White Base and it fucks up their engines, and I'm like, wait, is Chat actually gonna win now? Seriously, he has yeah, one fucking bomb and that's it. That's all it took. It had a harrow in it. Turns oh. out all he needed for success was a random civilian creating a distraction. <laughs> Um, so it cuts Sam and Ryu and they're watching in horror and then it's the midpoint sure (laughs) so we come we cut back um, Mariah gets the emergency landing she always wanted (laughs) (laughs) oh but poor Mariah with this landing oh god yeah Um, so everyone braces for impact oh children scream Fro is there Frau is there Fro <laughs> um, Mirai is whacked around. She falls and then somehow turns into sailor as she, she hits the ground. She falls forward. She smacks her head on the console, then falls backwards, and it's sailor who lands. It cuts to sailor landing. Yeah. I think it's just very poor shot work. Carol, watch. Oh, Harrow yeah. is also there and he bounces around. He does, yeah. It's good. But it's like, and everyone gets hurt a bit in this crash, but that that impact of Mariah cracking her head off the console is the most I've gone like, ooh, while watching this show. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> and like, um, it, it made her blonde and everything. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so they land in a desert, they explode a rock, but, you know, they've landed safely, it's fine. Uh, Char's ship deten- descends and Char jumps out. He climbs a rock and apparently he's going to, take the whole fucking base on by himself he, he, there must be an easy way to capture the trojan horse and i'm like <laughs> he yeah, goes he goes and runs up this matte painting of a rock right and then when he gets to the top the rock just shrinks in size so he can see the white base because he's actually friends with one of the magic crafters from spyro <laughs> and he shrinks the hill <laughs> i was shocked because he's there like oh how am i going to take this whole base by myself and i'm like what how are you 
he's suddenly so competent. <laughs> what the fuck? He's got like one tiny ship. It's not even Izaku. And he's like defeated the white base. And I'm like, yeah, go for it, child. You know what? You deserve it now. Fuck it. <laughs> so back at the white race. Back at the white base, Bright gets up and tries to compliment Mirai, who does an Amaro deflection. Uh, it's thanks to the white base's performance, actually, Bright. Yeah, yeah. And then Ryu um, comes in. He's like, don't be so modest. And then Max throws a knife at him. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I'm like, bitch, the white base can't fly itself. Like, someone has to still control it. You should at least take... Oh, my God. Anyway, um, so Bright sends Sailor to go check on the refugees because Frau isn't around and... And Sailor is so off model, it's hurting his eyes, apparently. Because uh, no one's really on model this time. But, you know. Uh, meanwhile, up in the sky, the gods are still trying to get rid of the mobile suits. <laughs> oh, that's the bit where Ryu grabs the Gundam to start shooting. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's really funny because he, he seems to do it so he can steady himself to get the shot right. But he still misses every shot and then gets blasted by the gods. anyway. gets blasted as well? It's... <laughs> It's, it's very strange. Anyway, so Ryu falls off and the, the gun, Amaro in the Gundam jumps off after him uh, to catch him oh. and they start falling to the ground. The way that he grabs him though, like he hoists the gun cannon up and they're like holding each other in an embrace in the air and I do want to change my answer about queer baiting. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just making you think of Sailor Moon and the Seven Bulls where like the Eva and oh. the Gundam just start fucking and it's like, no. but they're robots. Oh boy. Oh no. I didn't want to remember that. <laughs> Curse. I don't like this. Curse. Memory. <laughs> um, so back in the call, Iceland was like, please don't let them get away, even though they're like definitely losing and should retreat at this point. Um, and Please make sure you destroy them. And I'm like, bitch, do you do something? Don't just sit there. Come on. You made them go out and all die. <laughs> Fucking hell. Meanwhile, back on White oh, Base, God. I hate how much the show cuts around. It's terrible. It really doesn't work for my style of notes where I have to describe every little thing. I feel like we need to find a way of like batching things together without breaking flow just for mm. our own sanity at this point because the show ain't going to fucking do it. Maybe Sammy should stop describing everything that happens. I can't. I can't. That's how it works. Anyway, hi, Sosa. Um, they're soldering some bits. Hayato's like, oh, we've done some emergency repairs. Good for him. Uh, Kai's in the background and doesn't say anything. Um, which is weird for Kai because normally he's making some well, I thought you were just. Comment. I thought you were having a Harold watch moment. Oh, no. No. Um, but there's this awkward shot. Everyone's like motionless while Bright walks off camera really stiffly. They're all like kind of looking in his direction. Ooh, very strange. Um, so Bright goes and talks to the power section and I'm like, why does sometimes he phone them? Why does sometimes he get them on the little screen? Hmm. Should be it's the blonde guy as well, isn't it? It's, it's the, the blonde bl guy. Who is it's he? It's the mysterious blonde that I desperately want Amaro to be attracted to so I can poke fun at his kink for blondes. <laughs> He's everywhere. It's driving me insane. They won't name Who him. They won't he? do anything with him. Who is this fucking man? Oh. Is he, is it him that's, is it Harrow? Oh, is he from inside Harrow? <laughs> Maybe he's from inside Harrow. Mm. Is is he the real Quattro Bagina that Char replaces? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Mysterious Blonde is like power outage is down twenty five percent, but it should be okay. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? 
Surely if you've lost 25% of your power, that would affect something. No, no, it's no, fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. White Base is so... Mariah Hathaway, she plugs the control panel back in and she's like, wow, White Base sure is built like a brick shit house. <laughs> Great. Wow. We're so glad we're in White Base and it's built so well. And I'm like, what? Okay. She relies too much on the White Base's performance. I, I think they kind of realise that like, oh, we've just had a bomb drop on it and we need to kind of explain how we can still fly. Uh, and the explanation is that White Base is just really good and great. And it's like the Gundam. Cool. Sorry, yeah. So Mariah's like, yeah, it's built so well. Isn't it great? And they're like, oh, should we should we contact Amor and Rio? Should we check in on them? Nah, nah, it's fine. <laughs> and then Sailor runs in doing her best Frau impression. Several of the refugees have left the ship without permission. And then we cut to outside and they're in the middle of the desert and there's a fucking sandstorm and these guys fucking deserve to die. Um, they so just hate they, Frau Bo so much. They just hate Frau Bo. Oh. So everyone rushes to try and save the stupid refugees. Frau is trying to stop them to no avail. They shout at the ones <laughs> warning. That, like, they shout at the ones that are running that the enemy is nearby, but the stupid fucking old man is like, there's the answer after the white base and the Gundam. This is nothing to do with us. He has a little hat on. Like, he's got a little hat. And he's like, mate, you've been you've been living on a Federation ship for weeks. They're not going to be like, oh, well, you're just completely innocent. Yeah, yeah, come in. Yeah, it's fine. Go live in a wrecked city. I don't care. <laughs> wow, we're only in danger because of white bears. Let me out of here, idiots. Ugh. Anyway, Char is there and he has a gun. Char? Char literally fucking shoots a refugee. He compromises him to a permanent end. And... <laughs> Why does he do it? Like, is it just for... Because he... The refugee runs up and he goes, Ah! And Char goes, um, Like, like, like that's like a for God's sake kind of noise. So is it because he got spotted by him? Or was it just for for funsies? I think he just likes doing war crimes. It's like, it's a sort of when in Rome thing, you know? <laughs> oh, I was going to take white base, but you're here now, so well, I guess I'll shoot you. You there can you only go. get so wet. <laughs> I've already loaded my gun. <laughs> Um, I've mentioned a few times that the animation in this episode is really awful, like just, just unbelievably disgusting at points. Um, but this bit, so a refugee has been shot, um, and Bright Kai and Hayato all run out. They charge out, don't they? They charge Heroic. out. And even though the distant models are still kind of janky and everyone is the wrong colour, it's very dynamic and fun. Like they're Ooh. all pointy and like conveying like the urgent Ooh. movement. And I, I really enjoyed this like little scene. They have like a little shootout. And I'm like, damn, damn. And then also like Kai just runs the fuck out. He hasn't said anything this episode. <laughs> but like his whole thing was that like, he was a massive coward. And it's like there he is just running into a shootout to try and save some refugees. Ooh. And I'm like, damn. Damn. And then Sailor stood there and she's got sparkly eyes. She's like, oh, is that? Hmm. <laughs> she doesn't finish the sentence. Oh, right. Okay. It's implied. Like, oh, is that my brother? Oh, but, right. Like, okay. She doesn't say that. She just says, oh, is that? I heard him go, ch, like that. <laughs> so Char runs away because now he's not shooting unarmed people. He, he's not interested in it anymore. <laughs> and um, Bright Hyatt and Kai go charging after him. But Char escapes in his ship. Uh, the gauze are doing something, but... <laughs> We don't really know at this point. But anyway, we cut back to Zeon, to the Archbishop on the Night of Darkness, or whoever's in fucking charge of Zeon. I can't remember the his title. The Night of Darkness? <laughs> <laughs> 
so yeah, Degwin's just tapping his cane and he's just like, what's wrong with Morning Garma just within our royal family for fuck's sake, guys? And fucking, I can't remember, Gehin, Gerin. Gehin. No, it's Gehin. I'm so sorry. It's like he's literally written there. and His name's Gex. Gex. Well, Gex is like, (laughs) Father, we're at war right now. In order to strengthen the fighting spirit of our people, there can be nothing more appropriate than a state funeral. Garma's death does not concern him. Oh, it's sorry. Time, Garma's death does not concern him alone. Ah, it concerns it, the entire principality of Zeon. Sorry, I had so many typos. In Garma's death has nothing like... to do with Garma. I'm Gex. <laughs> it's tail time. Basically, Giran's just like, I want to do a Hitler speech and I can use Garma to do that. Mm. So please, let's do a big funeral. Yeah, uh, his sister agrees and Dozer's is like, enough about that. We need to deal with Char. We've got to punish the one who uh, failed to protect Garma and will serve an example to the people. And then the sister's just like, okay, well, enough about that. <laughs> Let's talk about the funeral again. And I'm like, why did, why did you script it like that? <laughs> okay. Just wants to change um, it. They just love jumping back and forth. Yeah, they just love it. They love, they hate me, I think. And Giran is like, Garma was very popular among the people. Having a state funeral for him will help stir up the people's hatreds towards the Federation. He just said that. I know. It's turning his death into a political palaver. Oh, Charles played right into their hands. Oh. So Degwin is like just ignores Giran is like demote Char. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we were talking about the funeral. And Giran's like, Dad, make up your mind. You're the sovereign. Dad, come on. Let me have a big state funeral, please. Let me be Hitler. Oh. For fuck's sake. You never let me be Hitler. <laughs> You're always Hitler. Anyway, we cut back to the white base, uh, who are shooting at Char, who is shooting at White Base, who seems to be doing more damage than the entire fucking fleet. And then the Gundam uses its trident Yay. on a gore. It smashes the gore's wing and the other gore tries to shoot it. But Ryu in the gun cannon covers him as well as Hayato on the white base. He's just like sat exactly. there in the open on a little gun turret. Um, anyway, Amor slices up the gore and there's another doomsday explosion. And this explosion somehow hurts the lieutenant in the final gore. Yeah, I think... It smashes the window and now he can't pilot because that hurt his arm. I think, does he not die there? No. Oh, okay. No, they don't die until they crash. And and Icelina is like, okay, well, I'll I'll take over. I can, I can land the gar. I'll do it, yeah. I'll do it. Um, and um, she's like, oh, it wouldn't be fair to Garma if we didn't do something. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So she tries to land the gar on Amaro. And Amaro... <laughs> Just gets crunched really slowly, and he, he definitely could have moved out of the way, but chooses not to. Is that to. the way where, like, it makes a noise hitting the ground, but the, the Gundam flies, like, gets hit by it just silently? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really weird. So, um, the Gundam is damaged, so Amaro gets out. Um, Isolator wakes up. The, this is now the lieutenant is dead. Yeah. Um, it was such a bad landing that it's killed him. Um, she sees, yeah, she shouldn't have volunteered. <laughs> yeah, she sees the Gundam and grabs the lieutenant's gone. Goes outside, points at Amara while crying, mm. um, and says... She looks down and to the right. Yeah, vengeance for Garma. And Amara's like looking up just like, did she say vengeance? Who the fuck is that? What? Who the fuck is that? I, I like the, the idea of a world where he just mishears her. He's like, a vengeance for Garma. And he's like, did she say, did she say sandwich? <laughs> well, like, I feel like it's really... Because she's like... Because Amara's like, did she say vengeance? But he's like, he won't know who Garma is. I'm... 
He'll probably know who Garma is, right? I mean, like, he'll know afterwards because of the big announcement of the funeral. But, like, until then, they were just fighting nameless... Apart from Char, they don't really know who they're fighting. Yeah, motherfucker didn't know who Denim was. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) But anyway, instead of... He's like, who the fuck is that? Vengeance for who? Sandwich? Vengeance? Why do you want vengeance? (laughs) Who's Karma? Um, Anyway, instead of shooting Amaro, she passes out, um, falls off, shoots into the air. It's one of the funniest shots of her face because it's so wonky. She's like falling and they're trying to make her pretty, but she's doing like a weird fish like... (laughs) Like a fish does. Um, And Amaro's just like watching like, what? Who the fuck is that? (laughs) And when she lands, she crumples in like slow motion, but it's still like graceful. And I'm like, oh, she must not have died from how slowly she fell maybe she's got some like weird anti-grav thing but no she definitely fucking died no, it's just slow motion she, she's just it's like it's like a little cook like little bounce her neck doesn't even bend for it you're just yeah, like holy just, shit the head touches the floor and then she freezes and her body just rotates like like anti-clockwise it's, around it it's she like did... some kind of handkerchief or something it's really weird <laughs> and instead of being shocked that a woman has just died in front of him Amara's like you would want vengeance on me. Like he's what like he's I forgotten that he's killed a lot of people now. <laughs> why why does that? she hate me? Where's my dad? Where's my dad? Oh fuck. Um, um Oh Isolina, the day that I killed Garma was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> he wouldn't even be able to pinpoint that because he's like, well, he's Garma. <laughs> was he in a was he in a Zaku? Oh no, he wasn't even in a Zaku. He wasn't even a, a special ship. She's like, she's like vengeance. He's like, oh, that must be who I sucked out of uh, side three. <laughs> it all adds up now. It's not side three. Side three is the on place. Oh, I'm not funny anymore because I made an error. Oh, anyway, Char flies away, and he's like, God, you just you just can't get the help these days. Uh, oh. Dren, who, and Dren, who was there the entire time, I'm guessing he, yeah, like he ignored he was like, there. When, when Char was doing his little maniacal laugh. But anyway, Dren, he's like, Dren, let's report that my suit wasn't working. And then you do like this evil little <laughs> smile at each room fly off. And I'm like, well, what does that achieve? Dren, you're the new Garma. What? Who? What? <laughs> is this to like cover up why you didn't save Garma? Or is this like a... I think he's covering his ass for why three Gars got Gows destroyed. Got, got destroyed. Oh, or I why she slipped. Why did like Because was the intention that she'd succumb to the wounds from the crash... Like she but was they only... forgot to draw her, like, even slightly scuffed. Well, because beauty is never tarnished. Mm. No, it's... she just hated Amro so much that she passed out. <laughs> <laughs> you ever done it? You're so fucking... mad that you just go to she sleep. She just sees blood pumping like a newborn cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we pan down to the white base. And all... Oh, excuse me. We pan down to the white base and all the refugees are just, just wandering into the desert. Mm. Uh, fucking morons but it's fine because the federation are there and they do turn up and they're on like little bikes um Amaro, Kai, Ryu and Hayato are burying Iselina which like seems way nicer than any other treatment they've given Zeon soldiers I guess because she's a pretty girl so like oh we can't let the desert ravage her we've got to bury her um, Meanwhile, like the sandstorm has left like all of their um 
mobile suits, like Ooh, yeah. looking completely disheveled, and they're just like, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll clean them off later. Let, let's bury this strange lady who fell off More the top bottom. of a ship for some fucking reason. Yeah. I'm sure she could have got out the fucking bottom. <laughs> I can't get over this. There has to have been a better way. You didn't need to climb on top, love. Know, it's right? not. It's just not necessary. You'd have had a better shot without it. Oh my god! And Amaral's there at the graveside, looking in, and he's like. Who the fuck is this? <laughs> Essentially, yeah. And then it like freeze frames and they up the contrast and the episode ends. And you're just like, wow. Oh. I'm sure I'm glad that Iselina went and tried to get vengeance for Gama. It really made such a massive impact. Do you know they cut this out of the movie? <laughs> Can you believe it? There's maybe something to be said about like Amro realising that uh, whether you see your opponents as human or not, you create hate in those who survive. But it doesn't really do a lot with that because it's too busy having a shit fucking plot. It's it's very flimsy, isn't it? It's so it's very flimsy. like she's like we have to manufacture a thing for her to try and get revenge because it seems like it was all leading up to the she is pointing a gun at Amaral and Amaral doesn't realize that he has caused this. And it's like how do we get into that situation? That that's going to be a bit contrived, isn't it? And everyone's like, uh, ignore it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. They had a great plan. She didn't ask about what resources they had until after they were getting attacked and losing. Uh, she should have stolen Azaku. I, wouldn't that have been so cool? If she'd gone into Azaku and was like, had like a fucking... She could have still lost. I'd been fine with that. But just like, have a steal Azaku. She goes and fights the Gundam on one on one. There's no fucking seesaw gauze. And mm. all that bullshit. And maybe Amaral realizes not not who she is, but realizes that she's a civilian, and like has to defend himself rather than you know. And then she gets out with the gun. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, maybe she's killed as like a oh, it, not a falling Harrow lands on her maybe. But like oh, it's a stray shot that gets her, and yeah. Amaral has to deal with the oh. But no, I no. I would totally like fan fiction this. I would say. Iselina, after the last episode, she does not appear for, like, loads more episodes. So you have one way later on with, like, Amro behind em- enemy lines. And he meets this stunning young lady and, like, has a sort of tryst with her. And then she realises he's the Gundam pilot and must be responsible for Gama's death. And, like, tries to do a little, like, in-person assassination or something, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of stuff you could do That'd with this cool. if you didn't immediately go for the worst possible fucking plot. Just, like, the easiest thing you can go like, for. Yeah, what if she, like, fucking... Like, if she enlisted after this, yeah. like... Yeah, yeah jo- joins a- the Federation, even, so that she can try and work out who Ooh. did it. Become become a spy who infiltrates purely to try and get Amaro. Oh, my God. It's like a, a fucking mirror of char. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's blonde as well. She's blonde as well. Oh, there's so Dude, much you can do, so and instead confused. we got I will stand on top of a ship and oh, fall off of the ship. <laughs> which is just fucking bollocks. Oh god. I mean, no, I I have not no. Yeah, there are no words for how stupid this fucking episode is. I can see why they cut out the movie. It's just She is, as as a consequence, lazy. spared by the cut in um in a lot of people's like yeah. in the because most people have just seen the movies rather than the show, because yeah. why would you watch this entire show unless you were doing a podcast? <laughs> I feel like Mobile Suit Gundam would be a lot better if everything was made of wood. If, where, if everything was made of wood. I everything. Feel like you're going like to have some problems world. in space if everything's made of wood. 
Well, no, because if, if it was, like, trees, they'd be producing the air for everyone. Yeah, They got a point, they got a point. Trees aren't necessarily the strongest material. True. So, like, say someone attacks you with a, their beam sword or their beam axe. It's all right, it's a tree it's now. It's going to slice right through. Yeah, no, but but you're made of trees as well, so it's even even ground, isn't it? Well, what if you've got a beam axe that's made out of wood? It's going to be... Gonna be trouble. That's oh, fine. depends how they sharpen it. Doesn't if Minecraft has taught me anything, is a wooden axe is perfectly good at chopping through trees. Mm-hmm. I think it's more difficult to do a war if everything's made of wood, and that means that we've solved the conflict. Yeah. Oh, it's peaceful time. We did it. Peace has been achieved. They negotiated a treaty. Let's go from peace to mad fucking Nazi shit and talk about <laughs> episode twelve, <laughs> the threat of Zeon. Okay, so uh, here, here's a frustrating point where I've let myself down. So I remembered that the previous episode had a different intro. This also has a different intro. Yeah. But I thought it was oh, the, the same, same intro, one. so I didn't write the fucking thing down. No, it's the same one, it's, No, it is the same. It's the same one as last time. And there's a bit less information about the, um, the, the cylinder, the cylinder stuff. Yeah, the but the bit before bit, it is the same. Um, yeah, that's yeah. why. I think but Sammy I, went back and did it after the fact. Yeah, I, I went and found a transcript of it. I feel like it trades in instead of the cylinder bit. It gives gives you a bit more about the Xeon side and how overwhelming their power is. I feel like that was additional. Was I wrong? I don't know. I think I think the voiceover was the same, but they added in a couple of new shots of yeah. the Xeon, uh, the, the Zabby family stood together. Because like I think the isn't the point that they're not super overpowered. They're like. Um... They're like the underdogs. Well, this is the weird thing, is mm. the, uh, the narration goes out of its way to describe them as having overwhelming power that the Federation wasn't ready for. And I was like, this feels like the sort of introduction you only do when you're actually presenting a bit of what the Xeon are actually like, like the propaganda of it all. Yeah. Which yeah. is odd. I, I, I would have to go back to be sure. I just, I felt convinced it was different, and I really don't know. Hmm. Papa Zabi, the gross, sad old fool, is sat, isolated, in a room that's far too big, listening to a video message from Garma, assuring him of the success he was definitely about to achieve. Uh-huh. It's Garma's podcast. <laughs> it's Gar- yeah, it's Garma's video podcast. And it's like, it's a quiet moment that makes you feel just, just a little bit yeah. for this ridiculous despot who's lost all fire within him because of the loss of his son. This is one of the only points I will really be, like, feeling for the rest of the greater Zabi family. I'm not going to lie to you. What um, Gama says on the voice note as well, like, there's a bit where he says that he doesn't want people to laugh at him for succeeding Mm. just because he's his son. And I think, like, that's when he puts, puts, like, the little thing down and, like, almost sighs. And I'm like, oh, damn. There's something to that, yeah. Yeah. That would hurt, wouldn't it? And it's like, I, I feel like, of all the children, Gama is the most... Human. He seems more capable of independent thought. He doesn't seem as bloodthirsty or conniving as the others. Mm. Yeah. And I think that maybe Papa Zabi like saw that in him, especially as he's like winding down his own bloodlust. And so you yeah. just kind of think like this this was the third way or whatever, and it's completely lost with Garma's death. And that that's that's all implied. None of that is actually there. Uh, yeah. That is interesting though. That's a, a- it's easy to read that, isn't it? I, I, well, I think they set it up in the last episode with him being like, oh, can we not just, you know, mourn him as a family? I don't want a big thing. I just want to mourn my son. I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he seems just exhausted by the whole thing. Like, so I, I feel like like li- having, like listening to the little voice now at the end and just being like, oh, yeah, like, bless him. 
it's like he's Giron's puppet now, basically. He's lost yeah. all interest in the war, and it's only his mad bollock son who's fucking keeping things going. Mmm. Mmm. Puppet Emperor. Uh, Chrysilia <laughs> enters, telling him that he must carry on and represent at Gama's big funeral procession, as the people will want to see him. She, by the way, I don't think we've said this so far, she is, like, terrifyingly thin. Yeah. She's yeah. fucking, yeah, she's like the fucking, she's like a Coraline puppet. Also, mm. like, if I remember correctly, she's Ginger as well. She's Ginger. Yes. And I'm like, so they've introduced two new woman characters. Yeah. Who are both tall and thin and Ginger. And powerful. Who's the other one? Matilda. Oh, right, of course. Fucking yeah. Hell. So it's like you kind of want those two to face off, maybe like in the rain or something, and you know, see who wins. But it'll be confusing because they look well, very similar. Well, no, because after this, uh, Cassilia is going to start wearing a mask over her mouth, so they don't have to animate her mouth moving. Oh, oh that's yeah, so they, they, it's true. They got to cut costs. <laughs> is cut that actually true? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm excited yeah, we... for Amor to kill all the siblings. <laughs> I assume that's where this is going. Maybe, maybe. We get to see the adoring crowd, which is like a green mass of soldiers, and it's it's how I would draw a crowd. Big green square of paint, couple of little circles drawn in it to imply heads. Moving on. Moving I love on. that level of shortcut. Uh, they're all there to see the royal family, and really, that is what it looks like. It's this disturbing combination of the artifice of royal events that we have to deal with here in the UK, and the giant displays of military control. You'd see it like a a Nazi rally in World War Two, like in those documentaries. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think both have to be deliberate. I yeah, yeah. It's the thing about the Zabi family is that they're good for tourism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it does also make me think uh, of the declaration of a new anime century, but that's definitely not intentional because it's not happened yet and won't happen for a few <laughs> years. But enough of that. It is time to smash cut to the Zanzibar and the absolute star of the next pile of episodes. Just... The sexual Tyrannosaurus himself, <laughs> the mustachioed Mega Chad, Rambo Rao. Rambo Rao is an erotic colossus. <laughs> In a very ugly ship. The ship is like a big avocado. So Ooh. ugly. Oh, we differ on this. I like the Zanzibar because it looks like if you took a normal ship and you just filled it with too much air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. Rambaral ship, hyper, hyperinflation. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Rambaral definitely likes inflation. I've seen that, Tommy. Oh. <laughs> it begins. Uh, Zanzibar, by the so way, skinny. another great ship name. I'm enjoying every ship name that isn't gore, so, like, they're onto something ah. here. How to describe yeah. Rambaral? He's a mature old soul, a veteran soldier given a command for feats of war, who looks every bit of his 35 years. <laughs> there it is again, that fucking magic number. He's 35. <laughs> he's not 35. I'm sorry, they lied. He's not 35. He's 35 he years old. He's 35. He's 35 years young. I'm 30. I'm 33 in, like, a couple of months. I must be aging, like, the finest of fucking wine. You're a tiny baby in comparison to Ramba fucking Raoul. <laughs> You're amazing. a little pixie. And it's, like, it's really awkward because, like, he has, like, big daddy energy. And it I really, keep being like, yeah. oh, man, that guy's daddy. And then I'm going, no, no, he's my peer. No. <laughs> yeah, no, Ramba Raoul. Like, I'm, I'm 30. I'm 30, are, yeah. and Rambaral makes me look like Garma. <laughs> Did you know Garma was also 20? Like, him and Garma Char was the same age? 35. Garma was 12. Garma was 12. 
Garmin was actually Garmin might only look like he's like 19 but he's actually a 300 year old dragon so it's fine (laughs) Ramaral's actually a 12 year old vampire (laughs) why does he look so old then (laughs) what happened to him (laughs) oh Jesus Christ um but yeah, so, Rambaral, he's an old fella with a paunch and a big moustache, and he's the sort of old man you'd want to spoil you before absolutely caving you in, which he will most assuredly do. <laughs> Hence his partner, Lamor, Crowley Halman, who is not Haman Khan, and I will not mix up their names continuously through this. Crowley Harman, not Haman. Hamon, Hamoff, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Ham lady. Uh, <laughs> She is a sultry lover dressed as the fusion of Fred and Daphne and is the audience <laughs> surrogate, fawning over her powerful shag machine as he ponderously considers his options. Um, I, I can't help but keep thinking about Crowley Harmon, and the the point I keep coming to is I, I look at her and I look at her like long, thin hands, and I just think, like, I bet, I bet she goes in for the prostate, you know? <laughs> Like, she's, she's got the fingers of someone who milks you, and I bet Rambaral fucking loves it. <laughs> I'm, I I cannot apologise enough, by the way. I do not know why Rambaral does this to me. I just really like this old man I <laughs> who's the same age colossus. as me. I am filling the spray bottle with acid. <laughs> <laughs> Extreme measures are necessary. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's just the memes. Maybe people have made him such a meme now that it's just, like, becoming ingrained in my body of, like, ah, Rambaral. His daddy. I mean, you know, someone's uh, reputation is part of their sexiness. That's that's a thing that people Psychological do. Psychological sexiness. Yeah, that's why people the, the, are attracted the, to, like, Chris Pine. Yeah, the most competent character in the story so far just exudes <laughs> pure sexual energy because it's like, oh, my God, he's not fucking up. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't let his soul just die meaninglessly. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so Jesus Christ. The Zanzibar has come across the white base, and so Rao is given a unique opportunity to execute Dozel's orders of revenge. Ah! Rao is intelligent and careful. He's older mm. than Charo Gama, mm. he knows how to fight and mm. how to win, and intends to use re entry to outpace the white base and take it down. <laughs> Max, when you said before that he was intelligent, what is the largest erogenous zone? <laughs> <laughs> If you said the mind, you'd be dead wrong. The largest erogenous stone is a fucking goof. <laughs> oh, they've definitely had sex in their goof. Oh, you, yeah, you can bet. Oh. Uh, meanwhile, on the white base, just to maintain this strange sexual energy I'm conjuring constantly now, Amaro is half-dressed, building gunpla on the floor with the manual open. I hope he's using proper nippers and a file and stuff. Maybe no. some markers, you know? Anything less would be out of character. Um, I think he's just using whatever he can find. <laughs> just snapping them off the sprues and clipping them together like fucking... <laughs> like biting them off with his please, teeth. I need to do something dirtier. <laughs> uh, oh. It's actually the Gundam spare computer, and Amro is working on it to stay busy. Even as Harrow... <laughs> Harrow, watch! There we go. I was waiting. Harrow is here. Harrow says, Amaro, feeling down. Amaro, it's an emotional support ball. Thanks, Harrow. I I really needed that today. Amaro, your brainwaves are low. (laughs) After a while, it just starts to feel like he's calling everyone idiots. Harrow is rude. No, it's... (laughs) 
but to be fair, if if Harold came in like a little green ball rolls up to you and says, "Hey, your brain wave levels are low." I'd be like, what do you want me to do about it, Harrow? <laughs> how do I use this information? Present me with solutions, Harrow, you fucking <laughs> awesome. Uh Frere, at least, knows to leave well enough alone at this point and takes Harrow out of the room, leaving Amro with some lunch to munch on. You know, mm. sandwiches, crusts off, that's what he likes. <laughs> Heck, Aww. by actually leaving him alone, he comes around and decides to eat all on his own for once. Mm. Which feels like, oh my god, Amro, what is that stare? <laughs> It's like he looks <laughs> the most harrowed any character has ever <laughs> looked. Harrowed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 like he's just found out the sandwich is made of like processed babies or something, and, like oh, no. something horrific and shit. I he's, just say like he fucking because he he's like oh I should probably eat. And then he goes and stands next to the table and like pivots around and, like he eats like a fucking oblivion NPC <laughs> and like he finishes them and then rubs his belly. Like he's seen humans eat in cartoons (laughs) and he's trying to imitate what it's like. This is what PTSD looks like. PTSD looks like having a bad time eating a sandwich the long way. (laughs) That boy ain't right. (laughs) That boy ain't right. (laughs) Uh, We we actually... By the way, I'm about to be very controversial. I know previous episodes have already been along this line, but we're going to get more down in the weeds here. Uh Uh-oh. We actually get... And I mean this sincerely, a nice humanizing scene with Bright next. Fuck As you. He, seriously. <laughs> he snaps everyone around him over a lack of work being done on lost frost power, which is like, oh, you've lost 2% of frost. But turns out that's like 40 tons of frost, which mm. feels like a lot. That's a lot of frost to lose. It's a lot of frost. It's a lot of frost. Where's Rambaral when we need yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he like slaps at the kids for coming into Hoover. And like I think Murray goes to, like, chide him, but Bright actually catches himself and's like, I need to take a break. And on the way out of the room, actually stops and apologises to the children. Yeah, yeah. Who, you know, they bleh him, which, fair enough, seems like a reasonable response from the kids in this situation. Yeah. You can apologise, but you don't have to be forgiven. These are mm. crucial rules in life. Mm. Uh, Harrow watch. Harrow was there. Sorry. Yeah, no, he's, Harrow's everywhere in this episode. He's been breeding. He's like a fucking <laughs> tribble. <laughs> so good. I'm really pleased with it. I, uh, I have to I have to say, this bit with Bright, it did make me feel for him. Like, there was a little twinge of like, oh, he's just having a rough time. Oh, he's just, he's really stressed out about work. I think it's... I understand. Be- <laughs> because <laughs> Amaro is completely fucking crumbling and falling apart. Seeing someone have healthy, like, responses to having a hard time just makes you, like, go, like, this is normal, this is good, I like this. I like that someone is able to process that they're in a, like, rough way and catch themselves. Uh, Imagine no one being else can able fucking to do, do this. <laughs> <laughs> We could all so, learn from Bright. We could all learn yeah. from Bright. How to we gotta punch Amaro. <laughs> yeah, that's the key. Slap Amaro, <laughs> develop a fetish. Uh, no! We all gotta marry Mirai. No, no! Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> so, Bright goes to his quarters and slumps in his chair, all sexy-like. As oh, he does his comes... collar as well, doesn't he? Yeah, it's like it's like a proper, like, if he had a beer yeah. in that situation, it would be an advert. It would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Mirai comes in to check on him and reassure him, and I'm here for this. Like, it's such a gradual and warm bond these two are forming, and it only really took Mariah, like, beating her head really hard on the console for that to start blossoming into romance. <laughs> I really love that she comes in and he, like, scrambles to, like, do up his... Like, he's not even got that much exposed, but he's like... <laughs> 
Oh, he's yeah, Bright is somehow such a pure boy. I, I, Miss what's Mirai, happened? You I can't think Bright might be my favourite male character in the White Base now. <laughs> it's not proper you being in here. You're a l- young lady, you and I'm an eligible bachelor. <laughs> Oh, God, he, do, he does have a little bit of the Pride and Prejudice about him, doesn't he? Like Colin he, Firth. He does have a bit of Mr. Darcy about him, doesn't oh, he? Oh, Mr. Yeah. Darcy. Yeah. Oh. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a bachelor must be in want of a wife. That's a different one. Is, is it? it? I don't know. Ask your <laughs> expectations. Ah. I get I, I try my best. They're, they're, I've, I've read all of them, and so they just naturally blend together. Yeah, they're all bad. <laughs> yeah. Victorian. But yeah, so after like Char fucking me up inside with all the gaslighting shit, it is just really nice to see something that's healthy between two characters. Mm. You know, just humans being kind to each other. Oh. Uh, we only get a few seconds of this, however, as Sailor immediately calls him up to say that something is attempting re-entry nearby, and it's far bigger than a Komusai. And it is, because it's multiple Komusai and Zanzibar. <laughs> <laughs> it's Rambaral. Here's it's Rambaral. He's back. He heard that I was enjoying something pure and he's here to fuck. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt here. Like Char being based off of Manfred von Richthofen, the Red Baron, Rambaral yeah. was adapted from the real-life figure of Erwin Rommel, the uh, German field marshal known as the Desert Fox, which is maybe why Rambaral is a silver fox, Ooh. maybe. Um, but the, the um, Rommel's often portrayed as like apolitical, which isn't exactly true. It's complicated. Mm. But like he, he had like a, a big larger than life reputation as well. And it was just interesting to see him as that kind of counterpoint to Char. Mm. I don't know if we found out his uh, his title yet, but yeah, I wanted to interrupt because I forgot to earlier. I think we find out he's a lieutenant fairly shortly. Uh, it, it's really interesting, actually, because that is the thing with Rambaral, is he doesn't seem like he's there for ideology. He's there because he's a good soldier, and that's how he got where he is. Even to the point where, from his command, he's like, I would much rather be out there fighting. Erwin uh, Rommel, what, you know, whatever about him, he didn't have the moustache and, you know, ultimately still a Nazi. He's not a cartoon no. character. It's like, it's like the cops thing. Real cops bad... Pat Labour good. That's, yeah, it's, Rommel, Rommel is complex, because, like, th- there is, like, a, a tendency to be like, well, you know, he did try to assassinate Hitler. I'm like, did he, though? We, that was never confirmed. Mm. I mean, you know. It's the Nazis did kill him. Very, I'm like, the Nazis killed a lot of people. Yeah, he's up. a very fascinating figure to read up on, I will say that for sure. Back at Zoom, which I failed to mention earlier, the the place where they're having Gomer's funeral is called Zoom. No. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they're, ha- they're having a Zoom call. <laughs> uh, Gama's casket is brought out to a multi-cannon salute. We're at war! Resources, men! Resources! And we get Kaecilia immediately scheming something as she asks after Char to Giran before whispering to an aide who heads off on some unknown mission. Ooh. Plans are afoot and Kaecilia will not be audible enough for us to know what they are yet. <laughs> that tiny aside out of the way... Because, again, this is the way Gundam works. It just constantly jumps between scenes. Because that's TV, baby! Baby. Can't make it easy to recap. (laughs) Uh, White Base and Zanzibar start shooting each other. And we immediately get to see how much more powerful the Zanzibar is compared to the other ships they they face. Mm. uh, As it blows the absolute hell out of one of the Sphinx's feet on the the White Mm. Base. It doesn't even have to ram them. No, not at all. Uh, Ram, 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 I do want to interrupt because, like, there was a bit in my notes that I kind of missed before. So oh, when, okay. um, when 
they first see the white base and they're like, oh, let's do this thing to catch up and blah, blah, blah. I can't remember her name already. Um, Sexy Hammond, wife. Hammond? Sexy Hammond. ham. is like, oh, but do you think we should just leave it? Like, you know, oh, we're on our way home. Um, and he says, don't you hate the kind of man who wouldn't lift a finger and just let them pass on? Mm. And like, I really like the dynamic between them. I think like they know each other. Like they clearly have like a grasp on who each are like who they are yeah, as yeah. people they, they have like a, a healthy sexually rich relationship it's yeah like they, they, they've got this <laughs> real clear understanding they know how it goes it's like at first i felt weird because it was like oh here's another person who isn't really necessary on board the ship like you know flashbacks to isalina fucking occupying a gore mm. um but no, she rules. They both rule. Their dynamic is really strong. They're yeah. they're really good together. They don't need safe words, but they still have them because. <laughs> well, I just think like, it was a really interesting way to inform the viewers about the characters yeah. by yeah. using their relationship to kind of tell, like, like oh my god, an actual good relationship in an anime of any yeah. kind. The, the character writing on these two is genuinely yeah. amazing. Like, I. I as much as I'm, like, falling down the horny hole, like, no, like, Rambaral, he he isn't just a catchphrase, like, he is a genuinely great character, and Harmon is right up there with him, like, they they come as a pair. I think it's well, like... <laughs> I bet they do! Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I like as well, like, obviously this is a bit later, sorry, so I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but it seems like the rest of, like, the crew respect her, like, mm. when he goes off yeah, out, yeah, yeah. like the way they talk to her, it's not, like, belittling or anything, which was nice, like... Yeah, she, she, they are extensions of each other. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was nice. I liked that. I like them. I'm excited. That's, 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 that's the real reason why I'm so unreasonably horny for Rambaral, because he represents the sort of um, high-quality relationship that I strive to have with Raven, you know? It's like, yeah. It's because he's a wife guy. That's that's why people like him. That's literally it. That's it. Why wife guy is just fucking relate. Um... Jesus, where was I? <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, we talked too much about Rumble Roll. <sighs> I think we just done the funeral. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the Sphinx's feet was blown, yeah. Uh, so White Base is outclassed, and Bright has to get creative, having Mariah thrown him into a thunderstorm, which allows for some surprisingly obvious and brilliant world building. It's yes, good. I love this bit. Yeah, see, a lot of these characters have never been on Earth, and why would the sides replicate negative weather conditions? So we get to see Frau and the kids cower, thinking it's a Xeon weapon, and Rambaral's men even have to be reassured by him that it's just lightning. Because, yeah. you know, he's one of the only ones who's fought on Earth and actually mm. knows mm. what it is. There's... Even Hamon is uh, unnerved, but Rao's manly body and strong musk soothes her. <laughs> there's, it... uh, oh, no, don't, no, don't. <laughs> no there's, there's a gag of it in Gundam-san. Um, where uh, she's like, oh, is it a new weapon? He's like, no, no, it's just lightning. Don't worry about it. And she's like, are you okay? And then it cuts to him and he's like fucking trying to like drink a glass of water and he's <laughs> hand shaking. He's like, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> uh, can't, can't stress it enough to anyone. Like read or watch Gundam Sun, like any way you can. That, mm. It rules. It, it's a perfect compliment to the series and genuinely pissed funny. <laughs> I, I did write, yeah, it's so clever, it's so simple, the lightning, not yeah, the musk. Yeah. But that's not really relevant here. The musk? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been too long since I mentioned the musk. Uh, Amro's reaction to lightning is less straightforward, as it inflicts upon him a terrible bout of trauma, as he remembers the mysterious uh, woman who hates him so much that she fell off. God, he's, and, he's uh, having died. 
he's having that fucking flash in his head of the fucking blonde woman pointing a gun at him. And he doesn't even say that she's too strong to be... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, The Bright's strategic gambit only achieves so much, and Bright has them planned to land, as they're uh, wasting Minofsky particles, which... (laughs) They, they really do a lot. I always forget the many utilities of Minofsky particles that even in this situation, they're like, we can't waste the Minofsky particles. Uh, let's go down. We'll find an island and we'll try and do a hide. Oh, is that then it's uh, the new, um, the midpoint? Because we get a new animation. Uh, oh, no, we're, we're, we're not quite there. Oh, sorry. We're, ve- we're very close. Uh, so I had a moment there where I thought I'd lost connection to you guys because it went really quiet. And I was like, oh, I was, no. I was a bit, because um, I thought you were going to continue. Sorry. I didn't oh, no, wanna... I was going to, but I, I always end up doing a little pause just in case. Just in case. Usually have yeah, to say. I think that's harder. Like I forget to do that, so you're less able to interrupt us. Sammy, oh, but I doing? never stop trying to interrupt you anyway. I just love <laughs> it. Um, I wanted to mention that the animation of the sea in this section is really nice. Like the oh, choppy yeah, ocean, yeah. it looks great. Uh, that's one they're going to keep in the pocket for future use, I believe, mm. because it's good. <laughs> Amro has whited out completely in his bed, which sounds sexy, <laughs> and I mean it too. I mean, like, his pupils has, have gone <laughs> and he's sitting up traumatised. He's got he's, young blood's disease. He's got young blood's disease, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Does that reference track to it? Like, uh, will I don't will know. people get that one? Do, do people still know about Atop the 4-4? Linkara's more popular than us. Fair, fair. Yeah, and, and probably always will be. Let's, of let's course. be real. Let's be real. Respect to Linkara and his tiny hat. <laughs> Sorry, that really tickled me. Fuck. Oh. Uh, so yeah, any any strategies coming from this point are compromised somewhat by the fact that he's there in like a traumatic coma. Thankfully, Ryu is here to do the same thing everyone does when presented with an emotional <laughs> challenge, and that's slap him. It actually kind of works this time. Like, Amro's used to it. He's actually, you know, he's got sort of a meek little smile. He's a bit into it this time. Like, there's, slaps, they're growing on him. There's something so sad about the way he reacted to me. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a bit, he hits him, and I think he's like, he's like, no, I'm I'm here. You you don't need to hit me. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, fuck. He's, oh, he is Amaro. getting used to it. It's Amro's trauma is now less dramatic and more just the the sad crumbling of a child, and it's like it is actually really hard to deal with. That's why I put in so many jokes. Mm. Piss. Got a joke to imagine the no. Ignore <laughs> the pain. Yep. Uh, before the break hits, we get Amro putting on his helmet and freezing up, feeling that the helmet is suffocating him. Aww. That is good trauma. That's good war commentary. The facade of a soldier suffocating the human underneath. Shoo! (laughs) We got new eye catches! Also, Ryu looks like a different guy. Uh, They're better because the original eye catches weren't really anything. (laughs) It's like like the Gundam and he does a little slide. He does a slide. The the, the new eye catches, this show is going places. The ratings must have been really good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um... As we learned and failed to mention before, uh, the core fighters' escape uh, was the lowest-rated episode ever. Oh boy! Oh, we and found like, yeah. So, so there is technically only up from there. <laughs> Wait, sorry. The core fighters' escape was less rated than the friggin' Iceliner's love remains. Oh, I, I bet people loved Iceliner's and love remains because it was fucking awful, and they were like, "Oh man, like a soap opera." Yeah. Um, oh my god. So it um because mm. it does spike a little around. So we're on episode t- eleven now. Uh, twelve. 
12. 12 now. Excuse me. That's what I mean. 10 so is 12, quite I low. think, had a bit of a spike, but yeah. I mean, I can believe it because, like, I mean, we'll get to it later. There, there's a certain way the episode ends that I think is a. Uh, Beyond iconic, like, and actually very disturbing. <laughs> but we're back from the shoe. Uh, God, actually, I will just say I do appreciate that we're seeing little changes now. Like we, I, we talked in the last retrospective about how uh, about how things had to change and when they'd be implemented. And I think little things like stronger eye catches, updating the intro uh, over different episodes, like that's just solid development. That's how you try and make things a bit more refreshing for what little viewers you've kept while also hoping to draw in new ones. Mm. We do, of course, get one other big change coming, and we're going to talk about that in about one paragraph. <laughs> one of the Komasai locates the white base and fires up a flare, which is an old-school solution to the lack of working radar and sonar and stuff. And Rumbarau and the Zanzibar... Zanzibar! I should be saying it like that each time. Zanzibar! I've, I missed the gimmick. <laughs> uh, closes in on their enemy, to which Bright responds with indiscriminate fire, hoping to hit anything. <laughs> which, you know what, at this point... Yeah, they're constantly moaning about their resources, but sometimes you've just got to fire fucking everything, haven't you? <laughs> uh, the Comasai disperse, being short-range ships, and Rao prepares to take on the enemy firsthand, heading into battle with two officers piloting Zaku, and Rao himself in the mysterious new suit, the Ooh. Goof. Goof troop. Ba -ba -da -ba 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 -ba. I really liked um, this scene. Um I mean, one, because um, we finally see Rambaral get up out of his chair, <laughs> which is very exciting for everyone. Um, but also, like, uh, ha Ham Lady, Ham Lady. Ham on. Is Ham on, taller like than in him. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the, the sunlight energy. Humongous. Sorry. And I like that. <laughs> that was fun. Shit. Um, but also, I really like that as she's, like, waving him off, she's like, I wish you victory. And he's just like, don't fret, Ham on. And I'm like, that kind of casual, just very, very nice. Very relationship building. So we'll hit we'll hit this again in about one second. Oh, uh, sorry. The, the exact same line. Oh, no, but, but it's it's an equal level of love for it. Because there's a neat bit here where Rao is on about preferring fighting to commanding, and Hamon drips with sheer pleasure as she says the same. Oh, no. See, two different angles on the same thing. And looking <laughs> at Rao in uniform with that tummy, I get it, Hamon. I get it. <laughs> Rao even has a little, don't fret, Harmon, that is gooey as hell. Like, <laughs> So yeah, I'm with you. What a smooth old fuck. 35 years old. Oh, <laughs> He's Rambo older Rao, than that. Silver tongue devil you. <laughs> uh, anyway, the goof. Do we have anything to say about the goof? So I, I, how to describe it? Blue Zaku, but both shoulders are now spiky pauldrons. And instead of an axe uh, and a gun, it has a big shield on one arm and the heat rod on the other. But we'll get <laughs> to that. It's got um, gun fingers as well, but it, we don't really get that yet. So I, I don't know enough about how Clover's toy catalogue developed and what things came out. But if we had to assume they had Zaku toys at any point, then logic dictates part of the reason why the goof is a really good next step to take is because it looks enough like a Zaku that you could reuse a lot of the same mould. But they, they didn't have Zaku toys. That was the point, wasn't yeah, it? Like, which is weird, right? Ooh. Like, it totally feels like they've gone, here's our first concession to you as toy makers, and they've gone, we don't make that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the goof is... Like like Mike said, it is a, it's a blue Zaku with a bit of, like, a 
Eastern Europe influence on the armor. Oh yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like a slight like, oh, this is Attila the Hun, Zaku. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, I couldn't find shit about the design of the of the goof. Like some of the stuff that uh, was about designing the Zaku could be equally applied here about like the mono eye, about the uh, the more militaristic style of it, about the uh, the hydraulics and the influences because it's clearly influenced by the Zaku, but. There's nothing. I can't find shit. I can find about, oh, it's got finger guns and it's got a, a heat sword. And, you know, but it's... Ugh. It's just, look, Gundam fans, Gundam fans, I love you. I know I rib on you for being shitheads, but I love you, right? Please, please, don't just collect the the specs. Please, like maintain research archive interviews find whatever you can so that we know more about the actual mechs because jesus all, all i want and i i'm looking through like interviews from blu-ray box sets i'm looking through all sorts of shit i can find on any resource i can dig down and it's like even what we do have and we have more than you'd think is not enough to just let me know the goof was an iteration on the zaku that mm. we made because of this reason like that's all i want that's it's, all I want. Gundam fans, you you know it's not real, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why right. they're so um, fanatic about Oh, yeah, yeah, why well, you can't out. be... Because the secret I, is that it's all real. <laughs> I understand a meticulous need to maintain kayfabe, but you don't go on to, like, fucking Mark Henry's Wikipedia page uh, for his time in the WWE and get a section about how he, like, impregnated Mae Young and she gave birth to a foot. It's not oh. fucking real. <laughs> It's a storyline. <laughs> oh. oh. uh, give you me one second. We just dropped some stuff. You don't look at Sean Morley's history as Val Venus, the porn star wrestler in the Attitude Era, and have them seriously go, "Oh yeah, he almost got his dick chopped off for sleeping with a Japanese man's wife." It wasn't real. He still has a dick, and he's a terrible <laughs> human being. Oh, that is real, unfortunately. I just it it drives me insane, but. uh Minor rant about lack of information that we have to deal with sometimes over with. Ryu is loading Amaro into the Gundam like a ragdoll. Like, this is just like, I'll just pour his hand Come onto on. the fucking levers. <laughs> yeah, there that'll wake him up. Amaro, you yeah. love levers, right? There you go. <laughs> and he, tell, he tells Bright he has rookie syndrome. And that is the most fucked up military way of looking past trauma. Ryu fucking sucks. I know in, in the movie they translate it as rookie burnout. Which yeah. I feel like is a slightly, slightly kinder better. way of phrasing it. it. It's definitely a step above, but like, don't think of it as burnout. It's fucking trauma, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. A sailor just about brings him round with the sound of her voice, but he still absolutely eats shit on the catapult and immediately gets slapped by the mighty and phallic flexible power of the goof's lengthy heat rod, which is... <laughs> Literally just a tentacle that electrifies shit. Yeah, it's not it's really perfect. heat. It's not really heat, is it? I, I mean, it, here's some news to you about like um, like electro coil technology and shit. That stuff generates a lot of heat. Yeah, yeah, but like, I would call, I would call it my zap rod. It's not really a rod either, is it? <laughs> I'd call it my I'd call it my electrical tentacle. <laughs> Uh, however, how appropriate to have a new weapon with zappy powers so soon after a thunderstorm? Nah. It's like there's a theme. I do want and to point. This is it. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, I just I wanted to point out that the uh, you can tell that the other two with him are regular Zaku's because they uh, reuse the landing animations from earlier. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yes, this is it. War is changing. The goof is new. The Zaku uses a visually interesting new cluster bomb called the Cracker. The Cracker? It feels like we're seeing the next wave, the first concessions to selling stuff. Even though, as far as I can tell, they didn't sell the stuff. <laughs> but they look cool, so it's all just kind of gravy upon the mashed potatoes of war, baby. <laughs> Uh, the heat rod coils around the Gundam's bazooka, fnar fnar, and blows it up, with Rao being impressed by the Gundam's endurance to not also be taken out in the attack. Oh, because Amaral, like, remembers to hold up his fucking shield, doesn't yeah. he? Like, he actually... Yeah, yeah, well, more importantly, he also remembers to let go of the fucking bazooka. <laughs> uh, gun cannon and gun tank both turn up to help battle, mostly to keep things one-on-one. Uh, but it's actually really nice. You get to see the gun cannon firing from the ridge. It's the opening! Hey! Hey, they found a place to use it! <laughs> and they continue to use it, even when it doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> like, there'll be a point where he's out in the opening and suddenly he's behind this fucking ridge. There's a rock. He just, you know... Yeah. He pulls He pulls up the turf. I don't know. It just lifts it up. He just brings a rock with him whenever he goes. Mm. A scrappy Amaro goes for a gut punch and attempts to use his beam sword. But Rao is a veteran, and he blocks the arm, not the blade, yeah. and maintains the upper hand. And hey, say the line, Rao. Say the line. <laughs> <sighs> this is no Zaku, my friend. No Zaku. Let me, let me try as well. Let's all do it. This is no Zaku, boy. No Zaku. That's how he says it. Sammy, you do it. <laughs> Sammy. My turn. Sammy. Right, so he's 35 years old. He's 35 yeah. years old. Sound 35. <laughs> Oh boy, this sure is Nozaku. <laughs> Wait, is he Winnie the Pooh in this? Yeah. Oh, bother. Winnie the Pooh's only 12. <laughs> I think. Oh. Don't ask me to do voices if you want an accurate voice. Come on. <laughs> what did you expect? Oh, anyway, I- iconic meme. Well done. It's a shit line. Sorry. It's, it's not that great. And I think it's really weird that this is what's become a meme. <laughs> but like... It doesn't like, even sure. make sense. It is we, funny though. Why does he say it again? I, I think he's just got like that... It's that wrestling promo disease. You know, it's say everything twice. Say everything <laughs> twice. Yeah, Ramoral forgets to say when the actual event's going to be though. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not allowed to say the specific date, so he has to be like, it's the first Thursday after Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, that, that's my Ramoral voice now, apparently. Rao's reward for saying the meme is getting to kick the Gundam so hard it goes flying, <laughs> demonstrating the increased hardiness and power of the goof compared to the Zaku. Mm. Rao then does the unexpected, showing he's a better leader than Char by keeping his men alive and actually retreating, uh, using a really smart feature of the Zanzibar, that being giant blinding spotlights (laughs) to make it so his foes can't see them as they mount a cable lift that I swear I've seen in films before, uh, to get up into the ship and get away. I thought the whole fight was really well done. It was, yeah, um, yeah. Like, the stakes were quite high with Amaro being all, you know, full of trauma and shit. And, like, showing that Ramoral is, one, an excellent fighter, the, the, two, a good tactician. Yeah, the, the teamwork with his men, like, yeah. they actually worked together. Like, with him, like, being like, right, Cracker, now. Like, that, you know, it's... Yeah. Like, because Char has shown a couple of points that, like, I guess he's okay with his guys and cares about them a tiny bit. But this is this is a commander who, like... Actually leads actually rather than inspiring yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. 
Which, again, is part of why his men respect him and Harmon so much, mm. you know? Mm. And it's great. It's, again, a sick fight. It's a big sell on Rumble Row, the new opponent for the white base for the foreseeable future. And it's a really different dynamic to Amaro and Char just being the main characters all the time. Yeah. Because mm. Gun Tank and Gun Cannon are immediately involved. It feels like warfare because there's there's strategy and stakes and planning and thinking. Like, this is a, a big step up. I feel like you had to have Isolina Loves Remains to actually get to, like, an episode this good. You had to reach rock fucking bottom. <laughs> and... As we observe Amaro in his dusty cell cockpit, we get a J-cut to the big Nazi broadcast of Giran using mm. his brother to rally the troops oh, for further this warfare. Was, this was horrible to watch, if I'm honest. However, this made me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But what amazing cinematography to actually use the J-cut in this show to like go, we will play the audio before we switch the scene. Like that, you, I don't think you get that in the rest of this fucking show. No, no, they're not that good at um, anything. Giran's speech is delivered with a tone and cadence that despite the uh, the different language, uh, it being Japanese to Hitler's German, uh, it it is incredibly reminiscent of Hitler's speeches. Yeah. It, the delivery is insane. It's this charismatic and power-hungry monster that knows what his people want and what tools to use to get what he wants out of them. It's like, it's really disturbing. He is a villain and a half. Like, if this is our main bad guy for, like, however long this goes, Jesus, they've done it. They've crafted a real villain where yeah. Char was too likeable, Gama was too dead, Rambaral was too erect. Giran <laughs> is here to go, hey, here's the fucking guy to hate. And Char watches done. from a bar, once again at a Char bar. <laughs> he doesn't uh, have his weird head thing on. No, he's glasses, actually yeah, wearing yeah. sunglasses now because he still needs to maintain the uh, the facade of anonymity. I thought it was uh, really interesting to have like an early cameo for the new character Quattro Bagina. Oh. Like it's weird how he was introduced this soon. <laughs> this is the Clark Kent Superman thing, isn't it? You put sunglasses on Char, and it's just ah oh, Quattro. <laughs> the man, Quattro the man who Caecilia sent out earlier has found Char, and Char can smell that he's Caecilia's man. Probably not like literally. But seeds are planted nonetheless, especially as he refers to him as Lieutenant Commander, despite his suspension. Mm. Things are brewing, and Ooh. it's not just the beer in this bar. I So was this... Um, I don't know if, you, um, if you'll cover it in any of the uh, actual retrospectives at the start of another thing, but um, I was reading uh, The Men Who Created Gundam, and after this episode, there was a bit with uh, his voice actor saying, well, I'm not in the show anymore. Char has been written out. Um, mm. And I'm not expecting to be coming back. Um, so Can I don't you imagine if, if that's how... Like, if he just exited the show here, like... That would well, be insane. Uh, so, this isn't part of a retrospective, but I'll fit it in here quickly, because uh, this right. was something that was brought up. Uh, in the right. original outline, Char was to be dead by this point. Oh! Uh, it was actually being convinced by others that actually kept Char alive... And then when fan mail starts coming in uh, from women backing up the fact that, yes, Char is actually a popular character, like, he is weave more into the show again. But basically, the, re the reason why we will get stretches of time without Char now is because he wasn't supposed to be here. Oh, my like, God. Is it... Was the intention... Because when I was watching this and ha having read um, that recent bit, like, I was like, is this guy coming to, like, disappear him? 
Is it like a oh, fucking shit. secret police kind of thing? thing? I feel like it could have been that, or maybe the original plan was to have him executed. <gasps> it, de- it definitely feels like the whole point here is that, like, he's played Big Gambit. Maybe we'd get to learn who he was at that point, uh, which would be, like, the big reveal that we finally get much, much later on. Hmm. But um, but no, he he lives on. It seemed like he was written out the show for a while, but it's it's definitely not permanent. And the the sheer response to Charles' existence from female fans, who are frankly speaking at this point in time, the only thing keeping the show fucking alive. The only fans, <laughs> yeah. Remember Raul? Remember Raul? Only like, fans. They 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 guaranteed that Char would return. It was the only way, and a good thing too, because like the. The voice actor for Char is like what one of the most iconic voices in the whole oh, of the yeah. show now. Like, it, if you think if he was bummed out, think it's been written off, and then he didn't return or something, can you imagine God. how different things would be? Whew. What a world! I need uh, to carry on reading that that manga. It, did it's I pronounce it right this time? Did I ma- manga? I did it. I did it. You did it right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's this speech. This. This fucking speech, man. It is a charismatic speech. I think I'm saying that, like, it is utterly terrifying from a warmonger. He is just firing them, firing them up more than they have been in an age. Like, he's like, oh, we've all been docile for so long, but this is our marker. We will fight on now. And it's like, oh, he's literally found the way to stoke up a war that was probably, probably coming a lot closer to ending than people mm. give it credit for at this point. Like, when, when Papa Zabi doesn't give a shit anymore, if it weren't for Giran, like, there could have been an end point somewhere here. Well, if you think about That's... it, they were saying that there's been, like, inactivity because everyone was like, mm. oh, fuck, we've accidentally killed half the population. Mankind was horrified yeah. and a stalemate. Because, yeah, this is the tipping of the stalemate. That's a really good point, yeah. And, and again, it's all just through, through this one man's speech taking advantage of what should be a beloved family member's death. Giran fucking sucks. Giran fucking and then, sucks. And then things get really fucked up because not only is there's this, which is broadcasting to everyone, by the way, they're watching this on white base and like everyone is almost being taken in by it on some level, except for one person, but we'll get to that. And then he says, Sigzion, and they all chant it and fear comes in. It is the most unnerving shit watching this big mass, like saying the most thinly veiled Nazi reference to the show. The most thinly veiled one. And it is just like, oh. Oh yeah, no, this is actually a really fucked up war. It and, uh, fucking Bright, works. Like, it's... Ooh. Bright actually sees it for what it, what it is. Like, he, he just immediately calls out the bullshit of it and it's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Which kind of snaps the others around a little bit after they've all been a bit shaken. And, um... I, I mean, I can't blame them. Like, it's powerful words in the middle of a war. They're seeing the enemy for what they are. And it's like, the Zabis at this point are a terrifying prospect. Like, this is who's in charge. And they command all these people so easily with words. Like, when you're, what, a little, a little fucking experimental base trying to travel across the world. Like, what chance do you have? Mm. Because it's Nazis, been so difficult so far for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With them being in the middle of their territory as well. Yeah. Mm. And Nazis always work as a shorthand. Like, obviously, uh, Japan, slightly different perspective on the Nazis than uh, we may have in the West. Mm. Um, God, at this time, it was only like, what, 30 years ago yeah. as it's well? Not, it's not been long. Yeah, it's been <sighs> like 35 years or something. Like, oh... 
it, it's actually it's oh. kind of wild to think about, and it's um, but whether it's Tamino specifically, whether it's the whole creative team, they do not flinch from this obvious truth. Uh, the Zeon are despotic. They're insane. They're dangerous. They're terrifying. And Nazis work as a shorthand to that. And I think even in Japan, I think that that imagery has to have been successful to the point because like people understand at that point, these are the villains. It's yeah. Like it's fucking hell. Um, there's been a lot of the episodes before now with a lot of like, um, to, to, to use a TV trope, like punch clock mm. villains. Like they're just, they're just guys on the yeah. ground level. Like we had them helping out like the, the woman in the, uh, the St. Ives episode or wherever it was. Um, but now like you're seeing the full scope of the machine. Like there's all the shots of um, like the external of the base, like in the middle of nowhere, with all the clouds around it, with the chance of Sieg Zeon, um, like just being repeated and repeated. Like I, I found it like chilling to yeah. watch. I found it like um, I don't know if you've ever seen Cabaret, mm. but there's the section in Cabaret with the fucking the kids singing "Tomorrow Belongs to Me," and then it it pans out and he's in the Hitler Youth uniform. Um, it's like near the end of Act One, um, and like that has like this, oh geez, like this 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 sort of like horrible foreboding to it that I found very similar here. It really effective, and it, yeah. And this is really why impressed. we can't stress this enough. People who like defend Zeon as fans, you're fucking weird. Yeah, I mean, we I have been myself like kind of pro Zeon at a couple hmm. of points in this. But I was talking about like these ground level soldiers doing things. I'm like, oh god, this well, is sympathetic. This is... And I, I feel like Tomino maybe realized mm. that. Yeah. And and was just like, oh no, I need to get the fuck set the record straight here. People need to see what this is. Well, I think the problem with war in general is that like, yeah, okay, war is horrible for both sides and blah 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 blah. But it's much more easy to sell on a show if one side is a lot worse than oh, the other yeah. one. Oh yeah. And like. Uh, <sighs> And this is the thing. This is the this is the ideology of war. You know, it's the the people in charge, those who are these charismatic leaders who pull ordinary people in and you know get them to commit horrible acts in the name of war. <laughs> like that. That's what this is, baby. That's that is the state of war. Like, because because we'll get another episode in in the very next episode of this podcast. We're gonna have another episode where we get a kind of human understanding of some of the Zeon, but it cannot be stressed enough. Like, the the actual Zeon themselves, the larger entity of war that is them, is fucking scary, dangerous shit. Absolutely horrifying. It's chilling. It is. It really is. And with that, we're at the end of the show. Damn. What a fucking episode. It's, I mean... Damn. It, it's great. Like, if, if this is... If this is a course correction, and I don't think it's even that much of one... But if this is just a Tomino really hated Iselina Loves Remains after like trying to deal with that shit, it was like, okay, let's focus in on the original idea of what we wanted Mobile Suit Gundam to be, then this is the big fucking yeah. success. Yeah. 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 Like this this moment of, hey, I'm gonna take off yeah. the mask. And just put on sunglasses moment. and go get um, drunk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's it's really interesting because they've in that very same episode earlier on, they introduce a charismatic 
uh, opposing commander who cares about his men and is clearly an honourable soldier. It's really interesting that you have that at the same time. Which which is so clever. It's a difficult it's balance. Like, it, it can't uh. be said enough. Like When Tamino and the entire creative team were like out to go and make something that was like an unflinching look at war, this is what it means. It's complicated. But it's also very yeah. simple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that, that's it's it. It can be really easy to miss the wood for the trees, mm. I guess, when it comes to uh, fictional things like this. Um, ah, it's war is complex, but Nazis are bad. Yeah, that's that's it. It's <laughs> it's 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 good TV. It's a shame that nobody was fucking watching. Uh, I I think. I've got to say, this is the sort of episode that really affirms that, like, I'm so glad to be doing this podcast. I'm very glad to have such wonderful friends to do it with me. Aw. Stop trying to fuck Rambo Rambo, okay? I've really, I've really <laughs> got to rein that in. I promise, ne- next time. Yeah, he's technically <laughs> no, you a Nazi. Were, you made it sound like you were going to be a lot worse than you actually were, so I, I'd brace myself for something much worse. So next episode, we will naturally be covering episodes 13, 14... And 16? Oh! Because, I, because it's time. time. <gasps> as far as, as, far as you're what? concerned while watching on Crunchyroll, dear viewer, you are watching episodes 13, 14, and 15 for the next episode. However, oh my God. what this does mean is we are reaching a critical point in our journey. Uh, that being Kukuru's Doan's <laughs> Island. The, inf- the infamous time. lost episode of Mobile Suit Gundam. Oh my I, I cannot e- say... When we'll get to it, I'm guaranteeing you right now, there is going to be an episode where we watch the lost episode of Mobile Suit Gundam and the film remake of it set in the the origin <laughs> universe. And let me tell you, <gasps> I am excited. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, but, but... Oh, we're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to find the lost episode. We're gonna have to oh fucking find gosh. it. Just to disrespect Tomino. <laughs> just we don't understand your desire to avoid Ooh. one of your ugliest episodes of weird-looking Zaku. We need it for completionist's sake. <laughs> uh, but I gotta complete this. Oh, the fucking the Zaku's like fucking mask on the front. It's like ooh, it looks like fucking Birdo. But it is a, oh. it is a blessing in disguise because that means our next three episodes, instead of being free filler episodes that they were saving for if the production process got too harsh it is two and a real episode <laughs> so <laughs> join us next time as Amaro discovers his mother and has a bad time and join us as oh, no. Amaro tries not to get blown up by a series of carefully placed bombs and join us as Sailor commits a war crime <laughs> hooray holy shit um, I think Sailor committing a war crime might be the the highest rated episode they had. Oh my Sailor's god! Agony, it's it's got to be oh, close. Sailor's Agony is a classic. Um, but oh, oh, will you survive? I'm going to say at this point we're not really going to go heavy on the plugs. We've done them in previous episodes, but this time I'm going to do the easy thing and tell you: please go to beehivepods.wordpress.com where you can find show notes and links to all our related socials and also. Perhaps consider subscribing to us on Spotify, iTunes, and pretty much any other podcatcher we can get registered on at this point. So that includes Pocket Casts, mm. that includes Google Podcasts, it might include Amazon. I've been reading through their terms because I don't trust Amazon. Somehow I've trusted all the other <laughs> ones, but Safe. you've got to be careful with one of them. <laughs> and uh, if you can, please rate and review us five stars. 
Uh, a weird part of how these things work is anything below five stars doesn't fucking help us. It has to be five stars. <laughs> like, tell us how you really feel in the text, but you better be clicking that fifth fucking star, baby. My mum did, so that's oh. nice. Oh, thanks, Linda. <laughs> hey, uh, if you're interested in uh, the content that Sammy and I put out, you can find us at uh, rollhistory.co.uk uh, for a variety of things, or you can find the show Roll History on Twitter and Tumblr, and also podcast things if you're interested in Dungeons & Dragons history through the different editions and funny jokes and silly things, and also an ongoing actual play game that's going to have some more episodes coming out soon featuring Max here and Raven, who's on other shows with Max, right? Yes, uh, on beehivepods.wordpress.com you will also find... Uh, Max and Ray out in the movies, which is the incredibly irregular series where the two of us are watching through 100 films that we've picked uh, together, 50 each, using a randomizer to go between them. And with that, we shall bid you all adieu. And remember, whatever you Gundam do, Gundam don't forget to listen to the next episode. Mm. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll workshop we'll work that. Kagayaku